already started. You, you don't get a sec. And, is it 173? 164. 164. Um, this week, bit but of an interesting one. You're all like, don't start yet. I'm not ready. But I was. I was like, mentally, saying, don't start yet. I'm not ready because I had to put my phone on mute. Um, yeah, a bit of an interesting one. So I'm, I'm recovering from anaesthetic. <laughs> so I'm going through, going through some pretty wiggy moments in time. So if this isn't clear, or if I start talking about how Hitler wasn't that bad, just blame the drugs. Let's just blame the drugs. We'll call this, we'll call this, this one is the uh, the throwaway potentially Matt goes insane episode. Don't do racism. Don't do racism. I won't Roseanne bar this one up. All right, I won't. So, uh, so yeah, so Anne, I uh, I had the all clear from my doctor. I had a few tests because they were concerned that I had cancer. Um, I don't, luckily, I guess. That's all those times I told you to fuck off and get cancer. <laughs> so nothing. All those times you whispered under your breath, I hope you get cancer and die. <laughs> Didn't work, Anne, I'm sorry. Uh, oh. We're going to have to get that. We're going to have to buy one of those machines. You know, the, um, well, the machines from Big. Zoltan. <laughs> Zoltan. Yeah. Zoltan. Yeah, Zoltan. That's a, you take a card out and it's like, it'll be like the things you wish upon others will happen to you and you just wake up and you look like Chet from the original Weird Science. You know, he just becomes a big old weird frogman. He becomes a shit monster. Yeah, shit monster. There you go. Um, yeah, so, uh, so it's interesting. Like, the NHS has been really good over the last two weeks getting everything sorted and they are... Um, they're, they're pretty... They're pretty good when it comes to stuff like this. I didn't realise because, you know, I don't normally go to the doctors. I don't have a lot of shit go wrong with me um, outside of the, the mental stuff that I deal with, I guess. So the depression and shit. I mean, you always complain about your feet hurting. And oh, yeah, but that's because I run. That's not because I'm sick. That's because I'm broken intrinsically by the activities I enjoy. Um but yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I uh, I don't know. Should I go into? De- I'm going to go into detail quickly because instead of news, we'll just talk about this. Yeah, I'll just uh, it, yeah. yeah. Um, so I I pissed like a liter of blood after having sex for uh, for quite a while. Um, like literally just pissed pissed blood, lots of it, and I freaked out. And obviously, I called my doctor, and the doctor arranged to do a urine and blood test. They wanted to do cultures on both. And then also an ultrasound on my abdomen because they were concerned that because of the blood it was like an issue with something else going on, um, and so they arranged uh, they arranged for a for a cys- cystoscopy, which is where they put a camera up your dick. Lovely. Um, and uh, and it exactly didn't happen the first sort of time thing around. I be- want to hear about all the time. <laughs> it, it, it didn't happen the first time around because uh, because um, well just COVID. Um, someone I know got infected and I'd been in contact with them so. For a while, I was self-isolating. Uh, they got a negative COVID test back, so there wasn't an issue. But for a little while, which was my appointment, I couldn't go. Um, and they couldn't arrange it again because, obviously, these things have to happen soon. They get ramped up. Like, the NHS gets inundated with stuff like this a lot. Um, so uh, so it happened again. And a couple of weeks ago, I contacted my doctor and I said, look, it's happened again. I think it's a hematuria, which is... Um, which has happened to me before. I had a hematuria um, one of the four things years that, um... ago. Cloud as in Final Fantasy. Not oh no, you're talking about uh, materia. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have elements fly out my dick and perform a special attack. Oh. Um, no, oh, I uh so yeah. Um so I, I peed blood again, similar sort of circumstances, but four years ago it was after I ran fifty K and I looked online and it says like if you're running a long distance Especially like a long distance you're training well, for. Well, yeah, you'll do damage to your groin yeah. tissue and it'll... It causes Yeah, there's blood. a classic story where Chris Benoit convinced um, one of the young wrestlers to try and 
race him in doing squats. Yeah. And Chris Benoit could do a lot of squats. Yeah. And this young wrestler had never done quite as many squats as Chris Benoit done. Yeah. And he was basically wobbly legged for the rest of the day. The next day he called up Chris Benoit and said, I'm pissing blood. Yeah. Yeah. So it was scary the first time, but my doctor assured me hematuria. That's clearly what it is because it's bright blood. It was the same again. So, you know, but the doctors wanted to be safe. So today... At 7am, I turned up at the outpatient surgery, which was the wrong place to be. I had to go to the day surgery, so they led me away to the day surgery. I had several conversations with doctors and and nurses and anesthesiologists. Anesthetists? Yeah, who who told me that I could get blood clots and this other stuff due to the anaesthetic, but I should be okay. And they were like, well, if we find anything, we'll do a biopsy. Uh, they did find something, but it was just like, uh, they reckoned that it was just a kidney stone that was passing. So it wasn't a big issue. Um, but they still, they took, they took a sample, well, they took that and they're testing that. Uh, but, uh, but no masses, no tumours, no issues. The ultrasound came back clear. No, I just got a letter back from the doctors telling you exactly what it was. You've got a quarto. <laughs> Finally, I'm growing a psychic lump from my stomach to communicate with, uh, with Bennett. Quaid. Quaid. No, Benny was his friend. Benny, I've got seven kids to feed. He wasn't his friend. He betrayed him. Yeah, I know, but he was his friend to begin with. When he had five kids to feed, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But uh, So anyway, yeah, so I'm coming around from the anaesthetic. I, it was a few hours ago now, but I'm still a bit wiggy. I'm getting, like, headaches. It, they said it'd be like a mild hangover, uh, but I also feel kind of drunk um, and dealing with a little bit of acid reflux. But it's okay, because Ant is going to come and spoon me in bed to make sure I don't die. Yeah? Hmm? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the the only The only thing that I will say is that like the NHS, really, really good. I went to St Peter's over in um, God, where is it? My brain is a fucking St Peter's. Fuck. Yeah, St Chertsey. No, the other one. So uh, you know, there's St Peter's and St Peter's is where I was born. St Peter's is where I went for the COVID test before I could have the surgery, and then the hospital I went to was. Ugh. You forgot what hospital you went to this yeah. morning. Dude, I was injected with stuff. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so um, the NHS was fucking incredible. Two weeks. Hold on a sec, I'm going to make a noise. Oh, oh. And um. just quickly giving me a, uh, a quick check of the old prostate. Um, but yeah, no, NHS has been excellent. It's it, Honestly, it was a little bit scary, but I didn't think I had cancer. I think it is just, uh, there's another issue that I'm dealing with. I think it's psychological, so I'm getting beta blockers for anxiety, which I don't really suffer from, but mentally I'm having issues that relate to anxiety rather than... I've got an alpha blocker. Oh, yeah? Is that why Twitter. you're such a fucking beta? <laughs> I go on Twitter and I block all those alphas. you got the sigma, sigma, sigma patch. I've got the ligma. Ligma. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like um, it's been it's it's been amazing. Ligma balls. Okay. As someone who is, I've I've never, I've literally done everything I can to avoid being put under in my life. I had my knee dislocated. I had it reset whilst whilst I was awake with local anaesthetics. I didn't want to be put under general. I've had fingers um, reset. I would volunteer. What for general? Fans for to be knocked out. Yeah. I'll be like, wait, you're telling me... No, I've never had to have any... It's so weird, so... I'll just be like, wait, you're telling me that you can knock me out, I'll be asleep for hours, no one can bother me, (laughs) no one can talk to me. It's so weird. I could just... It'd be like sleeping, but drunker. Yeah. So, like, I have... I have a fairly high tolerance for drugs, thanks to my youth. But even I, like... So the guy injects your... Injects you with the anaesthetic, 
And what they normally do is they just have a chat with you whilst you're... They just ask general questions whilst you're going. General knowledge. Yeah, general knowledge. So the guy <laughs> gave it to me and he said, like, one or two minutes and you'll be out. Don't worry. African swallow flying south. <laughs> <laughs> you launch out the hospital bed if you get it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he said, like, oh, one or two minutes, you'll be out. Yeah? Like, yeah. that's it. And so he, he did the thing and I was like... Oh, okay. And he started asking questions, like he was talking about ferrets and like and like animals and stuff like that. My interest to try and keep me connected. And we were talking for like five minutes, and I can remember the last thing that happened was I went, "Wait, how long did you say this?" (laughs) I just I woke up with an oxygen mask on my face Mm. and like this horrendous taste in my mouth. One of the things they tell you is they put a tube in Mm. that basically just gives you additional air, and then when you are coming around, they put oxygen on. And the whole of my mouth tastes like I'd vomed. And I was, the first thing I said to him was like, did I vomit? Well, they didn't just got it from another patient. Oh, so. right, just poured it in. Yeah, yeah that's the antibiotics. Um, I said so to when them, I got my COVID and they just, you know, they just wiped the needle <laughs> down before they put it on. They just had a dead body they just, with like, li- like lesions and boils and they just you went... You share the needles, everyone goes yeah, on. Like, that's how you build it. Um, it's good, no waste. Yeah, literally. I had this big plastic mask on my face and I was, I was... I had these, they give you a medical pair of underwear, which are, imagine frilly panties made of the thinnest material. There is one size and they stretch to fit everyone. And some people weren't wearing dressing gowns and they are clear as day if a larger person puts them on. So I saw a bunch of middle-aged assholes. <laughs> but no, yeah, fantastic. Like the NHS is incredible. And the staff as well, like you can tell that, that they are... Um, they are just trying to get the patients. Tired of your shit. No, they're just trying to get the patients for the process. Everyone's really friendly. Everyone's mm. really nice. Everyone was very clear about what was happening. Um, no one at any point turned around and said, and said like, do you want to do the operation without anesthetic? Because we can do that. Because they were just, they, they build confidence. The way they talk, the way they act, they're really good. Um, and I found it fantastic. And as I said, luckily it came back all clear. Um, it's been something that I've mm. been, it's something that, that I've been meaning to get checked because they had their concern six months ago. Um, that was when the original test was set up. Um, and, you know, stuff like this, cancer, it's a serious thing. Got to get checked out. I, I did what I did just to make sure I'm going to be around long enough to uh, see my pigeons grow up. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so that's that's basically... That's probably going to get lost on the voice. I mean, it's practically in, in, inaudible. Oh, shit. Shall I say it again? No. no. Okay. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's that's really the only news from me. Like, that's that's been the... Such your first review. No, no. The NHS oh. is not my first review oh. because I don't want to speak for anyone else's situation with the NHS. I know that some people have bad experiences. I just wanted to say that mum was good. I uh, everything went well, and I'm I'm happy that I did it. Just uh, yeah, you you get scared. I think that that's that's the biggest thing. If you have any sort of anxiety, they the process of going from day surgery to the anista the anesthetist when you actually get put down. Um, you walk, you, like I'd say, elevator. Down. Put you down. They put you down. Put you down. Yeah, it's yeah. about time someone did that. Not, they don't kill you. They put you down. Oh. Put you down. Yeah. Knock you down. Take put the bricks. Put you under. Um, yeah, the the process of getting to the, um, it just you get like a nice walk before they lie you down. They go through it with you. When they're laying you down, they put the blanket over you. And thank fuck, they cut you out of those horrible medical underwear before they wake you up because they are fucking grim. They feel it feels so weird. I need some new pants. Or... You need some new pants. I should yeah. have grabbed your box. Yeah. Ah, oh, that one next time. <laughs> I'll go get another screen. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I had a urogram 
a CT urogram, which they put dye in your, in your uh, they put dye to make sure it's travelling through. It's you. on a spoon bender. Yeah, uh, they did another ultrasound today. I mentioned that already, and they did the cystoscopy, which they put a camera up your dick, Lovely. into your bladder. Lovely. My dick hurts. It's like pissing razor blades. Was it a Canon D fifty? Yeah. It? <laughs> yes, no. It's really fucking cool. The uh, the cameras they've got now, because they used to be quite thick. They're now tiny, but they have the end of the nozzle has like um, essentially like collapsible. Little um, little claws no, that come out so they can take samples. What you want? So if they if they're putting it inside of you and they what see you want some, your own claws up your dick, yeah. If they put it inside of you and they they need to take a sample of something, they can do it. That's why they put you under for cystoscopies when you're younger and they're concerned about cancer. So they can do a biopsy of the tissue if they find anything that's irregular in there. So yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. I, I mean, I know that probably doesn't apply to anyone who listens to this podcast, but I thought I'd share that because. You never know. People could. I think there are people out there that do get worried about visiting doctors and going and doing this stuff. And I, I think that you know, the a bunch problem of quacks aren't they? Well, the problem is trying to push their vaccines. On. <laughs> if you're worried about anything, if you've got any health issues, going to the doctor, you are occasionally going to get bad news. But it's better to have that bad news and have a treatment plan, or at least know and prepare and have some semblance of. So be smart is just like keep going to the doctors a lot. So most of the time they say there's nothing wrong. If you have a serious issue, go to the doctors. Don't hesitate. But obviously yeah. don't go if you just need some paracetamol or some shit like that. I know that that was an issue for a long time. Like, where can I score some paracetamol? Yeah, where can I get it? Um, but Ant, this week you are gonna be the first review. Where if you stuff and things, we don't just talk about my adventures through through cancer land. For the eye of the Needle dick. <laughs> I wish it was a needle dick, then I could put it in the camera. Mm. That'd make more sense. Um, yeah, and your review. Well, I'm just put down my transformer. Anyway, should I review a comic? Yeah, Because either this or I do another loads of to- to- Tokusatsu. And though you hate it when I review Tokusatsu because you don't know what these words are. Yeah, it's a thing. No, I read. That's really an old comic. I've been reading Transformers more than meets the eye. It's a 2011-2012 series. It actually ran for years. It runs till 2016. There's like 90-odd issues of this. But it's basically IDW ran the Transformers comics. And they had, like, for years, they had one comic running. And it had the whole great... They covered this whole thing. It was like the Great War and, you know, the stuff that would sort of be Generation 1-ish sort of stuff and... All the, you know, Transformer conflict, Orbots versus Decepticons, all that sort of stuff. Um, but they always did it with a bit more nuance and they put loads of backstory in there that was never around before to try and flesh out the world and sort of focus a lot more on the characters and the political landscape of the Transformers and all this sort of stuff rather than big shooty back, bang, bang action. But anyway, that all came to a head where basically something crazy happened. The war ended. Decepticons that wouldn't surrender... And, like, you know, become peaceful, who didn't agree with the end of the war, were locked away and stuff in prison. Because they're naughty boys. Because they're Decepticons. You can't trust them. It's in the name. Mm. Um, and Optimus Prime put out a call for any Autobots, Decepticons, Transformers living out across the galaxy to come home to Cybertron. But something happens, and this comics opens up with, like, a one-shot thing, where Optimus Prime has woken up and he doesn't know where he is. Something's happened. He's travelled through time somehow. And it's like he's missed everyone arriving back on Cybertron. And he's woken up a little bit later and Cybertron's falling apart. Something's coming out the ground and it's tearing the 
planet to pieces. It's like mutating it, and there's like, you know, areas that used to be whole cities are just rubble now. Um, but there's loads of Transformers are back, but everything's going to shit. There's no real government in place. There's loads of them who have different ideologies because they've come from all these different planets, and their idea is they want to come home to Cybertron to grow. And they're trying to figure out what's happening. There's riots happening. Not Eventually, Optimus Prime is like, you know what? You guys aren't happy with me. So what I'll do, I'll step down as leader and I'll head off. Because obviously I'm a big problem. Because everyone's basically protesting him and blaming him for the problems. Because he called them all back to Cybertron, promising, you know, the new golden age of Cybertron. And it turns out to be like a big old mess. It looks like, you know, it looks like a war's happened. Which it has. Mm. But anyway. That's like the one shot they chuck at the start of this before more than meets the eye actually starts off because that's establishing the setup that the Cybertron's a bit of a state. Um, you know, there's loads of unaffiliated Transformers. Everyone's angry with each other and they're trying to form a new leadership. Bumblebee's yeah. now in charge. Yeah. And more than meets the eye kicks off where Rodimus, not Hot Rod in this, they call him Rodimus. Yeah. Um, he's basically, he thinks he's going to be leader someday. At some point in the past, he's carried the Matrix for Optimus for a little while, but didn't work out. He didn't become a leader, but he's basically got it in his head that he's going to be a leader, and he thinks he's pretty shit hot. Mm. And he decides to reach into some old texts and found the history of the Transformers, these ancient knights of Cybertron, who apparently turned the planet into what it was originally, into the Golden Age, where it was all gold and everything was perfect and all this. And his intention is he's going to form a crusade to head out into space and find the knights of Cybertron. And he's a pretty swish talker. Mm. So he basically convinces like 200 and someone Transformers to join him on a ship called the Lost Light and head off into space to find the Knights of Cybertron to hopefully rebirth Cybertron and make everything great again. Yeah. He's got a lofty ideals. Yeah. So this comic, more than me, CI, follows that story. There's another comic that run at the same time called Robots in Disguise, mm. which was following what happens on Cybertron, which is a lot more darker and stuff. But more than meets the eyes, it starts off like they're going on a big adventure. It's going to be great. Everything's fantastic. The moment they hit their transwarp drive to change the space, a big explosion goes off and they fucking end up in the middle of somewhere else they weren't intending to and crash land on a planet. It's a good start. Yeah. Um, two Autobots die straight away in that. So that's two of them down. Yeah. One Autobot called um, Shock, or it could be Or. Not quite sure. No one's really sure which one's which because they're just background characters and that's kind of the joke. No one knows what they turn into. They're just there. Um, one of them standing too close to the quantum engine and he gets sucked into it and he's like merged into the wall and dead. Um, and then his buddy, or, or it could be Shock, whichever one it is, gets killed by a, a, a vampire thing. Um, so basically it's not going great. And it's like, basically they're trying to set off on this massive quest and it's all going wrong. Um, there's some really good humour running through it. There's like this character you see early on, it says six million years earlier. And there's a character called Tailgate and he's fallen down a hole. And he's damaged. He's trying to go across a precarious part of Cybertron. And he was planning to get on a ship. And it's supposed to be the earliest ship that went off to colonise space in the early days of Autobots and Decepticons. And he's got a plan. He's going to blow up some Energon to blow a hole in the roof so someone can find him in this pit he's fallen into. But he's also broken his chronometer, so he has no idea what time is right now. And he's trying to get to the ship. He's got six hours to get there. And... Every now and again, it just flashes back to this little story of him in the cave as he's trying to get there. And he's like, I keep passing out. I can't get to it. It won't be long. I must have time to get there. It hasn't been that long. It's only been a few minutes and all this. It was six million years ago. And then in the present day or the present day of the comic, there's a massive explosion goes off as two characters are fighting. He wipes them out and he's like, can someone help me? Have I made it to the ship in time? And they assume he means the ship they're just leaving on now. Yeah. So they drag him out the hole, take him on the ship. 
And they're like, man, what happened down there? He said, yeah, I was waiting to get on the uh, the Ark. The, the Ark. That's not what this is. That was six million years ago, mate. And he's like, <laughs> so he's like, basically, because his internal chronometer has been fucked up to him, this six million years has been like a few minutes. And he's just basically missed out on the entirety of his life. He's got no legs. He had his legs destroyed. And that's why he couldn't get up. Jesus. So, yeah, he's sitting there with no legs, chronometer messed up. He's like... He checks out his readout on his arm to find out who he is and says, you're an idiot. <laughs> so it's essentially Pinky from the Doom, re- the yeah. Doom film. He's been messed up. But um, the one thing this comic did, though, because I've started, I've only read the first this first volume, yeah, which covers like seven, about 10 issues, I think. It's quite a okay. bit. It's 140 pages. Who's the, who's the artist? Can't remember. It's on my iPad. Oh, okay. I'm just going to check because... Um, it's a really good art, this one, actually. Yeah, the art for... Um, Transformers versus Terminator was really good as well. Oh, there's a preview of that in one issue of Beast Wars I was reading the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, What's the name of this one again? Sorry? More Than Meets the Eye. Oh, More Than Meets the Eye. But, um, yeah, this it's it's just a, it's a nice, fun comic. But one thing this did was it actually it helped push all the chuds out of Transformers. It's one of the, like, like, a lot of people credit this as being one of the things that managed to push away all the dumb assholes who were complaining about female characters and didn't like all the gay any gay relationships or any gay subtext or anything like that they're fucking robots yeah that's the thing this they comic have gender or sexuality yeah but as well they're doing they have they can choose whatever gender they want doesn't oh, really? matter because they're robots aren't I they I think they can procreate or anything either they do they can procreate there's a thing they can do oh cool but um but they don't really like gender they just decide what they want to be Alex like. Milne but um that's one of the things this comic did over the series was it just sort of, you know, it had um, like relationships between two male Transformers and it had one character changes their gender partway through and it's just done when there's chatting in a bar and she's just like, yeah, I, I was a dude, but now I've like, you know, you travel around a lot and you realise it doesn't really matter that much and this feels more natural. So it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Let's <laughs> just hope move along. He but, did, um, uh, yeah, Transformers vs. Terminator. He's yeah. a really good artist. I like his art. Yeah, but um, yeah, this comic's like... His people are a bit weird, but uh, but like they're always drawn to scale. So you lose some of the detail, and he sort of he does take a bit of artistic license with the way they look, just to like get them into the right poses and stuff. But I like his art. There's um because I've been reading Beast Wars as well, but I'll wait until I finish the first part of the first volume. Yeah, because that's still Beast Wars only started a few months ago. Um, that's been great. But more than meets the eye is just like a really fun adventure story. Of one of the great things is Skids turns up. Skids, everyone forgets about Skids. It's one of the most disrespected Transformer characters, um, to the degree that they released, they announced a Masterpiece Skids recently. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll get a Masterpiece Skids. And at the same time, they announced they're going to do a recolor based on an old Diaclone figure at the exact same time. Really? And I was like, fuck Skids, I'm buying that one. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so it's still Skids, but it's a different Transformer because it's, it's called different- Reboost. It's oh, based on one right. of the Diaclone toys that Skids was based on. Okay, cool. But, um,. It comes with a little scooter and a little man that I mean, rides it. Skids by any other fucking name, isn't yeah. it? But Skids turns up. He's crashed out. He's got no memory of what he is or who he is. He knows some stuff, but he can't remember who, what sort of person he is. So he's just taking this attitude of like, well, I don't know who I am, so I'm just going to be a total adventure bastard and have fun. Adventure bastard? <laughs> yeah, he's just like blowing up giant robots, getting into scraps, crawling around in air vents and stuff. The whole time everyone's... He's carrying his gun the whole time. He never lets go of his gun. And they're just like, you know, it'd be easy to take that air vent off if you let go of your gun. He goes, what are you on about? And he's like, like, he doesn't seem to realise he's constantly holding his gun. <laughs> he's like, can someone pull this... Like, when he first got the giant monsters, the robots coming for him. Yeah. Like, the ship he was in transformed into two guardian robot things that were chasing him. Yeah. And he gets someone goes, can you pull off the locking nut that's on my back that's stopping my weapons working? <laughs> and he pulls off and swerves like, you got a gun in your hand, dude. 
you could fire the gun. He's just like, then all these rockets come flying out of him. And he's like, what sort of person are you? He said, well, the only thing I do know is that I'm a theoretician. <laughs> theoretician? Yeah, he's a theoretical physics and stuff. Oh, That's right. what he does. <laughs> but because but he's lost his memory and doesn't know what his personality is or who he is, he's just like, woohoo! He's really getting into the job. He's yeah. doing that. He's having a gay old time. <laughs> Probably will, eventually. Um, but yeah, I think he blows up eventually because that's oh. what Skids does. But um, I'll, I'll keep reading it, I think. Well, the other ones aren't on Prime Reading, so I'll have to buy them. I I have like a ton of them on Hot U... Uh, not Hot UK, deals on uh, Humble Bundle. Because I bought... You remember when they had the big Transformer bundle? Yeah. I bought all of it. So More if you than want, is good. If you want it, I'll send it over to you because I've got a DRM free copy and I don't really read them. I'll be reading on because I downloaded the Kindle app. Why is a Kindle app on iPad? What's the deal with this? Why can't... You can't buy books through the Kindle app on iPad. No. You can't buy them through the Amazon app on iPad. You have to no. buy them from the desktop? Yeah. Why? Because Amazon and Apple had a disagreement. So like, the so can fi- I buy it on my mobile phone for Amazon? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can get the Kindle app on your phone, buy all the books you want, read them on your phone, or read them on your iPad once you bought them on your phone. Such a pain in the ass. Because <laughs> did you not know that? So for a long time, Amazon Fire TV wasn't on the Apple TV 4K. Yeah. Because remember, I had one. Started out having the Amazon Fire TV app. Then they had that disagreement. The app stopped working. <laughs> I sold the Fire TV box because I could no longer watch half the shit that I was paying for. And then ended up getting the... Um, Apple are dumb. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I ended up getting a Fire TV stick for £25, and now you... Wait, if I navigate to the website on my app iPad, yeah, would I be able to buy them there? Yeah, yeah, because you do the drop-down. Fuck's sake. Yeah, it's Fuck just me. that you can't on the app. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Even though they've reconciled now, they've never updated it. Jesus Christ. And also, on the... Um, it's really funny. On Fire TV sticks now, the 4K stick... You can buy one of those for 25 to 50 quid, depending on when you buy it. Um, the stick has the 4K Apple TV app that works as well as the £175 Apple 4K box. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Apple. I know, right? They're just fucking stupid. Well, they're not stupid. They're the Microsoft of Microsoft of phone manufacturing. They're not even... I mean, Microsoft don't give a shit who sells and buys stuff on their store. Well, no, that's kind of the thing. Like, they're going the Microsoft route. Mm. So they make their own hardware. Their hardware's available. And then the app itself for their media stuff is now available on everything. And they're making it so they're pushing for cloud cloud pickup on all um, outlets. Mm. I really like the idea of... Because did you... I think we spoke about it last time, the cloud, the Xbox cloud stuff. Yeah, you can just play on their website now. Yeah, they're um, they're expecting 4K streaming next year. That's going to be fucking incredible. If they let you do it on PC. Well, yeah, because you can do it through Chrome, can't you? Yeah, but right now you can only do um, 4K streaming through Edge, can't you? You can't actually do it through Chrome. Yeah, but Edge is just a Chrome variant yeah. now. It's not yeah. really even Edge. It's not like Windows Explorer. Because just... you can't even activate HDR on PC without going into menus, activating HDR mode. Nothing's... And it'll only work... You activate the HDR mode and then it'll like maybe kick in. All right. It's only on certain things, though. It's really dumb. Like, yeah. HDR on YouTube won't lurk unless you set hey, Windows 10 to do HDR. Oh, that's Everything weird. looks terrible until you get to the video that's got the HDR on it. Oh, that's very weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Was that your review? Yeah, more than meets the eye. It's, cool. it's a good comic. But there's 10 volumes to it, so that's going to take some... Yeah, but it'll be a, it'll be a story yeah. that ties into other ones as well. I've started reading the King and, King and Black event, you know, the Venom event they had in Marvel mm. a few years ago, uh, where uh, Null, the god of the symbiotes... The original owner of the Necro Sword comes back to that Earth. That sounds 
like a lot of nonsense. It's real big and dumb. Really bag. It's really big and dumb. The necro sword. Yeah, the necro sword. Sure, you're not reading Spawn. You know, you know um, the new four film. The person that Christian Bale's playing, nor the uh, God Killer. Yeah. The necro sword is the sword he uses to fight for. Oh, yeah, that's something Taika Waititi he would put in his film, yeah. Yeah, he's the symbiote as well. Yeah, if he's going to have a a necro sword, he's going to use it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm reading through that right now. It's really good, really, really good. I'm also reading Jason Aaron's Run on Four, which is also excellent. Um, there's there's something really appealing about depressed, broken Four, traveling between a time when everyone on Asgard is living their best life because he's being a good king and he's doing his best to protect his people. And then the future where everyone's dead, he's alone and talking to himself whilst trawling through skeletons of previous um, realms that he's he's basically sworn to protect and not. There you go. See, I just brought What's in Disguise, Volume 1. It was on there for Prime. So, included with Prime. So Yeah, you just had it to you. I could do it on there, not on my iPad. Anyway, uh, how was your iPad, by the way? So I, I do have comics on it. Every so often I get tempted to buy an iPad again, but that's Samsung... S4 is still such a good fucking tablet. Yeah. I, I mean, the pen's just... alright. I quite like yeah, the art the, thing on it. I, I like the pens on the Apple. I've got a, the S4. The reason I went for it is because it comes with the pen. Like my phone. My phone has the the S Pen thing. And they all work on the... Because it's Wacom technology. It's a oh, Bluetooth pen thing. You whack them in a minute. <laughs> he got me. Um, anyway, my first review this week is going to be Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the PS4. So Tony Hawk's 3. <laughs> it's one plus two, isn't it? <laughs> there are some maps from three in here, aren't there? No, it's all Tony Hawk's one plus one and two. Are they really? Yeah, I don't recognise some of these apps these because maps. you were like five when the games came out. I played them on the Dreamcast, so I had the best possible experience for this. Um, yeah, so I'm playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one and two on the PS4. I'm going to continue playing it because it's one of those games that you can pick up and play any time for two minutes, and you've done a run. Um, it's really, really, really good. Oh, I said that when I reviewed it. Yes, you did. There are a couple of minor issues that have kind of fucked me off a few times whilst playing it. I mean, it's nothing big. It's stuff like um, if you go down and you're holding the X button because you like sort of sometimes you, you do get hit by cars and stuff. And if you get hit whilst you're holding on Ollie and then you go to reset yourself because if you hit X, you can just reset yourself and skip the animation. Um, it won't until the animation's complete. That's good. Yeah, I um, just let go of X and press it again. Yeah, that doesn't seem to work on the PS5 when you're playing the PS4 version. So maybe I need to pay £10 to get that feature. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's also... There are... Um, I know that the original was a little bit glitchy. This is a little bit glitchy. It's fine. It's nothing major. It is just stuff like if you input a move as you're going to hit something, if there is... If you're even slightly... Um, if you're even slightly halfway, like, say, through a move... Um, and you and you hit something like I was manualing on grinds for some reason. No, you weren't. You were doing one of the grind tricks. So I went to do a grind. Mm-hmm. I jumped, and then as I jumped, I thought I was going to hit the flat of a grind. So I did a manual, but then when I hit the corner, I went into a grind. But it was saying I was doing a manual as I was doing a grind. I think you broke it. You did something I wrong. broke the game. Uh, I do tend to do that. I've broken a few games. Did I tell you I broke Ratchet and Clank? So you know the level I got you, the you know snail the, thing stuck in a rock. You know the level that you were talking about where you hit the gems yeah. and you go between places. I got to the last gem where you hit it and then you push one along mm. and I hit it and everything went white and it was just the girl. Yeah, I had that there's a stage later where I had that happen. Yeah, and where it just, it's just completely platforms. light. 
Yeah. And there was no way you could go, you couldn't move, it was just showing the loading sign. So I had to reset the entire console. But I was saying that when PS5 had an issue the other day, were the updates stalled? It wasn't updating, it was just saying continue with update, but you couldn't press X or change the option or anything, you just hit X. Hmm. It stalled on there. I left it on it for an hour just to make sure that it, you know, it wasn't just doing it in the background. And I reset it and then it started the update as soon as I came back in and let me do a report. But it had to rebuild the hard drive, so I was a little bit worried. Why are you breaking it? Not breaking it, playing it. Breaking your consoles again. Well, you know how it is. You know how it is. So anyway, so uh, yeah, turning on the first gate one and two. The soundtrack's there. It plays great. It's nice. There are a few glitches, but it's forgivable. Um, and God fucking damn it, there's Goldfinger. Every time I hear the stuff that dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> it's in my head. I'm just like, yeah. I've also, got the album that's from Power Man. I 5- was a real Goldfinger fan. Power Man Five Thousand. I own a Goldfinger album that isn't Hang Ups. Which one do you own? I can't remember the name of it. I've got it though. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I I, I really like the uh, I really like the soundtrack, and it is genuinely like a. I don't like a lot of the new songs. Yeah, I, I turned off pretty much all the hip hop stuff, and I don't mind the hip hop stuff. And all the you've um, got, um, was it new? Was no, not Newfound Glory? Wasn't there? No, there's some modern bands I can't be dealing with. Newfound Glory aren't modern. No, not them. It's one of those other modern ones. One of those other modern wussy bands that I could beat up with my hand tied behind my back. You know what I mean? Like Fallout Boy and all that shit. Panic at the Disco. Are they on there? I think there's some bands like that in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. I know that like Black Veil Brides are one of those bands I can't. I hate them. But yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, I do. There is one thing I will say is that I don't think that this is entirely. I don't think my opinion of it is entirely based on the quality of the package. I think that I am nostalgia glasses are fully on for this one as well. I reckon that the game itself is like a, it's a Helen Mirren, but because those memories are coming flooding back, because I've got that muscle memory kind of coming back, I'm going to say it's Tom Atkins. I I think it's yes. great. It's exactly what I wanted it to be, and I only I got it for only a fiver. I got it for really expensive because I bought the deluxe edition. Bought mine for Curry's. Out. They only had two copies. Bought both copies. Five pound each. Woo. You got the update because they updated it so that um, every character can have their own career. Yeah. Because the way it was originally was that you finish career mode and... It doesn't make any sense <laughs> for them to each have their own career. That's how it should be. That's how it was in the original. Really? Yeah. To unlock the bonus stage in the original, you had to finish the career of every character. Oh, right. But they um, they made it so that, like, you know, all the characters, you only play for the career once and everyone shared the same challenges. Yeah. <laughs> when do I unlock Spider-Man? Spider-Man is not in it. Is it a skeleton now? There's um, there's Officer Dick. Okay, he's back. Yes, Jack Jack Black. There's an alien. I think you have to find the alien dolls hidden around the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of them are pretty tricky to find. I think I've done them all. Hmm. Um, and there's another character. There's like some rad. I think he's a skeleton. He might be a skeleton. Yeah, because I thought it was a Neversoft logo before, wasn't it? Yeah. None of the licensed characters there though. No. Okay. um, So no Wolverine. No Shrek. Spider Man. Shrek was in the third one. Yeah, he's in one of them, yeah. Yeah. It was Iron Man and Spider-Man was in was the Iron first Man? one was and Iron Man was in Tony Hawk's team. Oh, yeah, because he had the weird floaty skateboard with the yeah. jets. So he yeah. might have been free. I can't remember, but it's, it was in one of them. Um, I don't think that they should do this again with 3, 4, and 5. They should just release DLC. Definitely not with one. 5. Was 5 the bad one? 5 the one that came out on PS4 a few years no, ago. No, I thought it was 6. No, that was 5. 
There was Tony Hawk's one, two, and f- one, two, three, four, and then they did um, Underground, Underground Two, the American Wasteland, and all that. Oh, that was bad. American Wasteland's all right. I think Project Eight's the best of the later ones, but um, no, Five's the one that like released on PS4, and it had like all it had was the training area on the disc, and you had to download like a seven gig update to play it. And that's when they started. Before that was when they, you know, crashed the franchise with Ride and Shred. And all that yes. stuff. The one we had the board. Project 8? Project 8's good. Was it? I remember that being bad. No, Project 8's great. That's the one with Jason Lee. And it's got none of the jackass crap in it. It's all like focused on... It's an open world stage. Yeah. It's really good. I'm pretty sure... The one that came after that I didn't like. Whatever that was called. I can't American. remember. That might, it might not be American Wasteland. It might be American Wasteland. I can't remember. So it went, it went Underground 1, Underground 2, American Wasteland, Project 8. Something like that. I can't remember. And then Skate... No, Skate's a different game series entirely. Skate free? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, plays well. Sounds great. Had a lot of fun. I did eventually end up just turning the music off, though, and started just listening to play the songs from the early 2000s. Um, just because, you know, every so often you got to listen to Sugar, We're Going Down. You know? Sugar, We're Going Down. Yeah, Sugar, We're Going Down. Isn't it Baby, We're Going Down? Fallout Boy song. Yeah, Sugar, We're Going it's Down. It's Baby, We're Going Down. No, it's not. Look, right, your review, I'll Google it. I don't give a shit about Fallout Boy. They suck. Fallout Boy are rubbish. That's what they sound like. That's what you sound like. That that's is. the song, yeah. Yeah. That song's called Number One with a Bullet. Anyway. No, it's not. <laughs> Fucking terrible song. They suck. I could beat all them up with my hand. But one hand tied behind my back, I'd kick them all asses. So you know they suck. Well, you're dumb. I wasn't paying yeah, attention. I'm done. I'm done your review. No. Oh. Um, right. Let's do Kira Major versus Ryu Soldier. The movie. It's a new movie that's come out. That um, was delayed because everything was. COVID stuff. You know, they delayed everything. But it came out a couple of months ago just when Kira Major was running towards the end of its run. And it's the, you know, it's the usual versus thing, when they team up against the previous series team to fight some evil. And in this one, the plot goes that one of the villains from Kira Major, the Yodon one, is a girl called Yodonna. She's a nutter. She's quite cool. Sticks her tongue out a lot and acts weird. Um, She's found Cleon, the little mushroom-looking guy who makes monsters in Rear Soldier. And she forces him to make a monster out of her monster. Her monster's a movie director monster. He's going to trap people in movies and force them to keep playing out scenes so that they get the darkness, you know, they get upset or whatever. And they get stressed and they can absorb the darkness from the humans because that's what they collect. And Cleon gets forced into making monsters out of, the, out of the movie monster, which creates a whole bunch more movie director monsters. And now they can go into business making this movie that they're going to project into the sky to make everyone depressed which I kind of think's interesting idea for a movie. Let's just make a movie that makes everyone miserable. I mean, they could have just, uh, you know, hired friggin'... Who's the guy who did Melancholia? Lars von Trier. Yeah, they could have just hired Lars von Trier. Anyway, so, the rear soldier, Co's come home, he's been off travelling, they all split up at the end of rear soldier, they lock away their powers, and they split up to sort of travel the world and do whatever they want to do. Co's come home, he's planned to meet up with his friends, but they're nowhere to be seen. And meanwhile, a bunch of the Kira Majors have vanished. They went to the cinema and they vanished. <gasps> they got free tickets to a cinema, which was weird. 
there's giving out free tickets. They say that there's like, oh, it's really busy. And then when you see the inside of the cinema, there's like five people in there. Because, you know, don't want to hire too many extras when you're dealing with COVID, I guess. But um, yeah, so a bunch of them end up getting sucked into the movie. So they got to make a formulated plan to break out of this movie film. This has to be like the sixth time this has happened in Super Sentai. I do feel like you're repeating a plot from another review you've done. So there yeah. is also an episode of Power Rangers that does this. Um, it happens quite often. Characters do get sucked into movies quite often and forced to fight, um, you know, loads of villains and monsters and do like samurai movies and shit like that. Um, but you know what? It's a lot of fun. It's a fun time because you get some varied action sequences. You're getting, you're not getting the usual super powered fight. You're getting samurai fight. You're getting like Hong Kong cop chase through a dock area fight, you know, stuff like that. One of them is a casino and they have a shootout. It's quite fun. Um, but yeah, I had a good time with this. It was an interesting, enjoyable one. There's like a nice subplot going on where the lead Kira Major, he's been Juru, um, he's been told about a competition, a drawing competition, which could, you know, earn him a contract so he could get a job being an artist, which is what he loves art, but he can't draw anything. So he's feeling as though his motivation to draw is gone because there's pressure on him when really he just wants to draw for fun. He doesn't necessarily want to draw to be an artist professionally. So the film is him learning that, you know, sometimes you just got to say fuck it and do what you want, right? That's what it's about. Yeah. And he sings a song. There's a song and dance number. Because, you know, it's fun. He's just having fun. They do that to distract a monster so they can steal his clapperboard. Because then they shut the clapperboard. Oh, right. And it ends the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some brilliant, like, um, subplot going on as well where the director's having all sorts of problems with Yodonna. He's like calling, she's calling him up and going, can you finish this scene now? Get out here. You need to edit this movie so he can put it up there. And he's like, but we've got the key element, key, key emotional scene here. I've selected my actress for the role and it's going to be perfect. And she's like, I don't care about the key emotional scenes. I just want to get darkness from the, from the viewers. Get out here now. And she's basically just like forcing him to make compromises to his film. And the monster's getting depressed because like he's not getting to make the movie he always wanted to make. And all she cares about is getting butts in seats so she can pull out the darkness from the audience. So it's kind of interesting to do that in a movie, like a Kira Major movie, where there's just them going, "Yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna get people in seats and get the money out of them, basically." But uh, it's a fun time. Um, there's a really cool when the monster fight happens at the end. That's quite fun. Yeah. Lots of they. It looked like they shot some of it outside with a minimal set. Because the sky, they're getting shots of the ceiling and stuff, and that wouldn't normally be a thing in yeah. Monster Fights, because you could, you know, up the top. But they got like a, they do a thing where they stick a camera on a pole and they just swing it around between the actors and move it around while they're fighting so they can get the camera right underneath them. Oh, cool. Um, they do that a lot. Um, the first episode of the new Ultraman series did the exact same thing in the first <laughs> fight. Um, I think it might have been the same director, because it yeah. looked identical. Um, but yeah, it all builds up. There's not much like Super Sentai morphing action going on in it. They actually, most of the action takes place in the movie world where they can't transform. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it all builds up to the big finale and the Ryu soldiers get their powers back and all this sort of stuff just for one last fight. Sounds, sounds a bit like a beautiful Joe style. They'll get a big old flashy fight at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a fun time. It's perfectly fun, silly, Kira Major thing. It's kind of got some little sad moments because one of the actors who was in Ryu Soldier, one of the side characters, she died in, in December last year. Oh, shit. She was like 24. Jesus. Um, like, no, we don't know what she died of, but she did look like it, she disappears from the last three episodes of Ryu's Soldier, and you can see her face is bloated up or something. Oh, so okay. something's gone on, so she's got something. Sad that she's got something. But, um, 
yeah, there's a couple of moments where they talk about her mm. and about like how you know she made this one video that every love because she was a YouTuber in that she made these really bad tour- travel videos where she kept saying she was in some mystical land where she's just in the woods around the back of her house. Um, but yeah, they they said oh she made a great video and everyone loved it and one day we'll you'll meet her. I said you won't she's she's dead mate. Um, but it was it's nice that they took the time to have a little you know, references to her and stuff. There was also another thing they did over Christmas shortly after she died and they put a, like a little four mannequin Joe thing at the start of it, just a little tribute to her. Um, you know, and they also chucked her in the end credits and they had a photo showing her just sort of, you know, make the kids cry in the audience to remind them that one of the characters in the show they like died. Um, but yeah, that was a nice thing. It's been, it's been a tough old couple of years for <laughs> Super Sentai. Because they had to shut down production for a while because a couple of the lead actors got COVID. And then they had the friggin', you know, one of the stars die. So, ah, good times. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. We're in grim times with this sort of thing because it is going to happen. Yeah. Such a shame though, 25. Like, t- yeah, 20, 24. 24, sorry. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, and she was really good in the show. She was like the goofy, goofball comedic character. It had probably some of the most sort of emotional scenes in it because her mum had died in the series and mm. her mum comes back as a ghost in one episode, which is a really harsh episode. Yeah. Um, but no, this this Rear Soldier movie, Kira, you know, Kira Major versus Rear Soldier movie, was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, big grins on faces, lots of funny moments, just, you know, good fun time. Um, but seriously, Super Sentai guys, if you can hear me, stop going to the cinema. It never works out. Whenever you go to the cinema... You get kidnapped by monsters. They they also like are these films released in cinemas in Japan and China and places. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. just never seems like they ramp up production the same way we do. It's not proportional. It's all filmed while they're filming the series, so yeah. they don't really. They get a bit longer to film the movies, but they have to film it in and around the series. Sometimes you'll see like um, they'll use re- they'll reuse costumes from the series and paint them up differently, or they'll you know take you have a something that appears in the movie and it'll appear in the series a couple of episodes later just because they're trying to get the money out of the budget and they use the budget the best they can. Well, no, it's a fun time. And, yeah. 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 I won't review the other Super Sentai things I watched this week. No? There's a bunch of movies. I watched the, the movies. There was movies released in December and I watched them. It was like a tri- triple bill of Super Sentai things. The Kira Major movie, which had the PPAP bit in it, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Because it was an Inception reference. They were in a dream world. Oh, right. And he play, sings PPAP to wake him up. You know, like in Inception when they listen to the music. It's a reference. Oh. And there was a Ryu Soldier short film thing, which basically just fleshed out a character they killed off way too early in the show. Um, and there was also a movie for Zenkaija, which was weird because it was like before the show started. It's set a couple of episodes in, so the idea is they're already established, but it was done as like a, a preview, so kids can go to the cinema and see a preview of Zenkaija, like a special episode just for the cinema. Oh, right. But like, it's weird because clearly the characters weren't fully fleshed out and they're not acting the way they're doing when they fight, they're a bit too competent. Mm. Whereas one of the things that's great about Zenkaija is no one knows what they're doing, they're all <laughs> fucking idiots. It's great. There's one episode, there's one special where... You see a close-up, they're fighting, and it looks all dramatic, and it cuts to a long shot, and they're just, like, flailing around all over the place like idiots, mm. and just barely holding it together. Whatever happened to that being, like, a trope in films? I miss the days when you had, like, an incompetent action hero who just sort of fumbled his way for a film. Mm. Like, everybody nowadays is, like, super trained in martial arts, 
Like, when you watch things like Die Hard, Bruce Willis doesn't come across as, like, a masterful ba- badass. He's just fucked the whole time. Like, he lucks out every no, couple of seconds. Die Hard 4 and onwards. Well, yeah. 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 Well, even Die Hard 3, to a certain extent. He's, like, a superhero in that. Um, but- yeah, in the Fast and Furious films, have Jason Statham's character cough against, like, an actual martial artist. And yeah. Just get his ass kicked. <laughs> well, I just, I just kind of want, like... There was always... Um, there was always, like, a specific character would have a skill set and they would use that skill set, and it wouldn't be related to fighting. Yeah. Like, did you ever watch that Premium Rush film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Well, he's cycling. Yeah, so much better than it had any right to be. And it was essentially like, he's he's good at cycling, and he's so good at like, traversing New York that he can kind of see the lines that he can take without getting hurt and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, no, at no point in that does he suddenly get the power to martial arts fight people. And at one point, I think he throws a bike at someone, and like, Michael Shannon... Michael Shannon got, gets, like, stopped in the end by a bunch of bicycle um, people harassing him and, and just basically drawing attention to him and then him getting noticed by mobsters he owes money to. <laughs> like, that's the ending to it. And I think that's great. There's a scene where he has to, like, break his bike out of an impound and he does it by, like, bunny hopping <laughs> and, like, going through the racks on this bike. And a lot of it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing his own stuff. So I was like, fair play to him. It's as good as Gleaming the Cube, though. Which one's gleaming the cube? The Christian Slater skateboarding movie. Oh no, that's I don't a masterpiece. I I've got it on DVD. Ah. I have got gleaming the cube. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do kind of miss the days where you're like, even in horror movies now, when like you get someone go up against a killer, they're like super competent. But back in the day, it was always just like... Well, Buster Rhymes did martial arts fights against yeah, Jason. Yeah, like, come on. Michael Myers. It makes sense with something like Halloween, where it's a sequel to a 30-year-old thing, and her whole life has been shaped and designed by this monster that hunted her. But like mm. when it's like a film where someone's like, oh no, we've woken up Frankenstein's ghost, and they're like, I've got an idea, guys. I know a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, my next review uh, this week is going to be series two of I Think You Should Leave Now which is the Tim Robinson. I wanted to make sure I've got his name right. I think it's Tim Robinson. Who? Um, comedy series where he... Oh. Yeah. Where he just does like... Uh, he just does weird sketches. Tim Robinson. Um, just does weird sketches based around his, his character just being in, in awful and obviously often awkward situations. Um, the first series had, had the great episode in which... Um, oh, God, I've already forgotten his name. Who was the character who played Invincible? He was also Glenn in The Walking Dead. Steve Steve yeah. Stephen Yen. Uh he he's having a dinner party and like they're basically all just um they're all handing each other gifts. And this is this is five minutes of awkwardness. Basically everybody's handing gifts and they all they all bring the gift receipt and they're like, if you don't like it, here's the gift receipt. And Tim Robinson gives him a gift and he's like, Oh, thanks, man. And he goes, I left the gift receipt in the box. So if you want to return it, he's like, he's like oh cool but everybody else he's like oh I don't need the gift receipt and shit like that Mm. and Tim Robinson demands it back and as he takes it back he's like he's like wait a second wait a second and and Stephen Young goes what and he goes did you wash your hands when you went to the toilet and did number two and he goes how do you know I did number two and he goes it's pretty clear you did number two you were up there for a really long time and it goes into this really ridiculously stupid thing about him accusing him of having poop on his hands when he hands him the receipt and and Tim Robinson then goes I think I need to leave this pie. It's become awkward. And it's not because of me. It's because of you. And someone offers to drive him home. And he goes, I'll be waiting in the car. And he goes out to the car. And the woman goes, she unlocks the door and gets in. She goes, Tim, you ready to go home? And she cuts to him dead. Like, from poop 
poisoning. <laughs> just eyes open. Uh, um, and it just like there are so many sketches in there that are just ridiculously funny to me. And I don't think you found them anywhere near as funny when I showed you a couple. You and your low random humour. It's not low random. It's built up and it's based on like it's satire of shit that actually is on TV. Like that thing where he gets dressed up in the really shit makeup mm. to be an old man. He's so clearly a person in a suit. And it just it's the kind of thing where where in the eighties we had do you remember Eddie Murphy doing the white the white face where he um he basically went around the world as a white person. For SNL, he did a sketch a sketch where he did white face. Oh yeah. And he went around and like he he first did like here's an ordinary day in the life of Eddie Murphy and he goes to the bank and stuff and he's like he's like, I need to take out some money or get a loan and they're like, No, 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 you can't have a loan. And then he goes back as a white person and he sits down at the desk and he goes, I'd like to apply for a loan. He goes, oh, we'll get you the paperwork for that. And then as a black person leaves in the background and they're left alone together, he goes, how much money do you need? And he just starts handing him stacks of cash. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's it's really funny. I found it fucking hilarious. The, Sam Robinson, who is in, um, in the Tomorrow World that I'm also going to review later, and also Werewolves Within, which I'm going to review next next episode. Um, he's in both of those. He's the black dude who plays the judge of the Buff Boy competition. He's in loads of stuff. He's 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 been in stuff for ages. I like like, you've been watching a Buff Boy competition. You watched it with me. So so that's that's one of my other that's one of the other sketch, sketches I really like in this one is the <laughs> it's a motivational retreat for management and they've booked all these events. And one of the events they booked is a is a buff boy body competition. <laughs> they call the boys stuffed with foam to make him look muscly, and then the the branch manager has to pick his favourite buff little boy. <laughs> and it's just the way it ends where he goes, where he goes, oh okay, if I'm going to pick anyone, I'm going to pick Troll Boy. And Sam Robinson's like, you can't pick Troll Boy. Troll Boy understands. Troll Boy, you get it, don't you? And Troll Boy's like, yeah, I get it, and it just cuts. That's the end of the sketch. It's great. Um, I know that this isn't going to be for everyone, but I literally, I put it on as two hours to get through the series because it is just, they're short 20 minute episodes. There's only six of them. Um, and it just, it flew by for me. I loved it. I found it really fucking funny. Loads of moments where I was laughing just ridiculously at these stupid sketches. Tim Robinson, I always think Tim Robinson is in Friday the 13th Part 5, which is the one where Jason gets stabbed by the lightning rod and gets electrocuted and Tommy Jarvis. And his mate, I always think he's the mate that goes with Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. He looks just like him, and I don't think he is. That was like 30 years ago. He's 59 or 55. He's old. Old bastard's fucking disgusting. Oh, he might be 49. Might be younger than I expected. But anyway, yeah, uh, I think you should leave now. Tim Robinson. um, It's not for everyone, which is why it doesn't get a perfect score, but I'm going to give it a. I am going to give it a. Michelle Pfeiffer. I've been thinking about her a lot recently. Oh, yeah. She was the perfect woman, and still might be. She's very attractive. I've got Batman Returns on 4K Blu-ray. No, you don't. You've got a copy of Batman Returns, which is now covered in custard cream. No. That is custard cream, or ectoplasm, depending on how much you believe in ghosts. Um, yeah, fantastic. I really enjoyed it. But uh, but yeah, like I said, it's 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 a little bit niche, so I don't know if everybody would be into it, but I, I expect people are going to enjoy it at some point. Being spared in most our lives, living in a gangster's paradise. Do you remember Michelle Pfeiffer was in the film yes. that was from? She was also in the music. Dangerous video. Minds. Yeah, with Coolio. Yeah. Do you remember when Coolio was in uh, Leprechaun in the Hood? Yes. Where they're in the church that looked suspiciously like a Are you talking about the film that starts hall? Ice Tea and at one point he kills the Leprechaun with a baseball bat he pulls out of his afro? Mm, maybe. He takes a fro pick out 
and he fights the. Uh, he gets Freshman. killed at the start. No, he doesn't he get killed. He steals the whistle. He has control of the leprechaun, Does the golden OST? whistle. I thought he died at the start. It was no, two it takes, takes assholes. A, takes a baseball bat out of his hat, beats the leprechaun up with a baseball bat, takes a gun, but then he finds the magical flute, the golden flute with the necklace on it that he plays, hmm. and the leprechaun's like, I'm under your control now. And then the three failing rappers break into his gangster hideout, steal the flute, and then release the leprechaun because they break it, I think. That's at the start. Yeah. And then Ice-T gets killed at the start. He doesn't get killed at the start. He goes on till the end. He gets killed at the end. He to go be a kangaroo. Oh, no, he gets killed at the end. He's not in Back to the Hood. I can't remember. It was years ago since I watched it because it's not a good film. I watch them on a regular basis because they are the height of cinema. Lip in the hood up to no good. You dumb. Is that all you had? Yeah. You just had two minutes of... What was it? Tim Robinson's I think you should fuck off. Is he Australian? What, Tim Robinson? No, he's American. That's an Australian name. Oh. Tim Robinson's an Australian name. I wouldn't encourage him. Like his Auntie Donna boys, they'll be getting all too big for their boots. Those Auntie Donna boys. What? Everything's a drum. Everything's a drum. (laughs) It's a great song, isn't it? Not everything's a drum. They're lying. What are you doing now? I'm I'm done. It's your review. You're not reviewing Tim Robinson. I just did. Get on with it. What's your review? Right. Fuck you. Um, Let's review... Uh, Godzilla, singular point. It's an anime. It's a new anime. So, that's Godzilla, singular point. You just... I'm waiting for you to keep talking about Godzilla Singular Point. Okay, so Godzilla Singular Point is an anime series made, not for Netflix, but Netflix got the worldwide distribution rights for it, where we're 13 episodes long. It's a nice new take on Godzilla lore. It's um, completely free of all the usual Godzilla origin stuff, which Toho seem to be sort of keen on doing nowadays. They kind of ditched the old... um, there used to be a whole thing where, like, every Godzilla had to tie back to at least the original film in some way. Um, even the American one has little hints of, like, a Godzilla attack happening in the 50s, doesn't it, and all that. But um, this is a completely original take on it. It's getting a lot more into this whole high-tech science stuff in it. Like, the idea is, is monsters have been appearing, they're spraying all this red dust everywhere whenever they appear... There seems to be some sort of weird quantum element to them where they seem to be able to predict um, attacks before they happen and things like that as if they're existing in a different time to us. Um, and there's a bunch of characters and paranormal investigators who first uncover this tune that keeps playing that seems to be linked to the events that are going on. It seems to be attracting the Rodans, or the Radons as they're called in Japan, which makes more sense because the radioactive things, that's where the Radon comes from. Um, but yeah, so monsters turning up. And you also follow this other girl called uh, Kimura, I think her name is. Or Kimihara, Kimihara. Um, and she's been picked up by this high-level scientist, Professor Lee, who wants her to help work on this project called Archetype, where they're trying to create a molecule that exists. That's an impossible molecule. And this molecule is meant to be able to bend time, they believe. Um, and the show is... F- full of a lot of scientific talk 
like constantly explaining scientific theories in ridiculous amounts of depth and to the degree that they then have to have scenes later to do the layman's term version of the scientific theory stuff which means more scientific theory talk so if you're into lots of sciencey stuff then you're probably going to have a ball um but it's balanced out with lots of fun action stuff and comedy stuff and you know just the interesting takes on the monsters and how they turn up and the mutations they go through and the the variations and all the events involving Jet Jaguar because Jet Jaguar is flipping great he has a he has a thing in his stomach he has got well he's got a pilot at the start doesn't he have a saw no he has a saw no he has a saw there's a saw in this stomach the spinning That's Gigan. he's oh, not Gigan, in this sorry jeez but anyway, so the paranormal investigator guys who are doing their thing, they investigate strange events and stuff. Um, they run out of a garage, and the guy who runs the place is this old crazy man who thinks aliens are going to invade someday. So he's been making a robot to fight the aliens with, and it's called Jet Jaguar. And at the start, Jet Jaguar's on, like, he's basically like he's made out of car construction robot parts. He's on little wheels that he rolls around on. He's got a body chassis that he can sit in, and a head that they've clearly. They spent a lot of time designing the head and the body because they had some look they wanted to go for. They wanted some anime mecha look, but it's still got weedy little car assembly line arms and stuff. Um, but they try their best and they fight an Anguirus and they manage to defeat an Anguirus with Jet Jaguar, become local heroes in the process, and they start upgrading Jet Jaguar. Like is let the wheel legs get destroyed and they build proper legs for him, make him bigger, and then they install this super high tech AI they've got. That the main one of the main characters has developed, and they put it inside Jet Jaguar, and Jet Jaguar starts learning how to fight. They make a spear out of Anguirus's, so one of Anguirus's spines, and start fighting all these spiders and stuff with it. And it's like it's a lot of fun. Jet Jaguar's a little hero in this. I like how they've done it. It's in the original car, in the original film when Jet Jaguar first appears, which is Godzilla versus Megalon from 1973. Maybe yeah. I'd have to check my Godzilla collection to find out. Um, in that, Jet Jaguar's like a human-sized robot who they have adventures with, and then for some reason at the end he grows big. And in this, the not to spoil the end, but Jet Jaguar does grow very big in this, and because the show's throwing all sorts of science stuff around that you don't really understand, you're just like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm sure there was a scientific reason for it, but... Hmm. Um... But yeah, I like it. It's more about the world of Godzilla than it is Godzilla. Godzilla's a threat in it and doesn't turn up until like episode six. Um, and like in Shin Godzilla, it goes through evolutions. Like first time you see Godzilla, it's swimming in the ocean, following a following a um, flock of ma- of um, what are they called mantras, mantra, the mandra, the big old snake ones, the ones that only in like two Godzilla films they usually wrap around something and crush it. Um, he's following a flock of them. You see him dive out of the water and he's got flippers instead of arms and he's got like his skin's all red and raw and stuff and he's got the big old exposed eyes like a fish. And like when he dives out the water he goes dun, 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 dun. it's like a weird look of Godzilla. And, ends, and just like Shin Godzilla ends up on land, goes through mutations. They sort of accidentally like the first time he's trying to fire his atomic blast he just blows out like nitrous oxide and starts freezing stuff. Yeah. And they fire rockets, it ignites it, um, and like blows him up. And you mm. think it's oh, Godzilla's blown up, but out of the wreckage, there's like this big crystallized Godzilla-shaped thing. All right. And they're like, oh, it's turned into some sort of pupa inside there. It's like some gelatinous mass inside it. Mm. So it's basically cocooned in this thing and mutating. 
And that's how you eventually get to big old Godzilla we all know and love. Oh, right. Okay. So it's sort a bit of. like a Shin Godzilla situation. Yeah, it's like gradually... That's what I said. Sorry, sorry. sorry. He's gradually mutating. He's got a little bit of um, the 1998 Godzilla as well. A bit of a longer jaw going on. Ah. And at first he walks around... Americans. Like that. But then he stands upright. He sort of walks around hunched for a while, but then gradually gets bigger. I always like the idea of him having the ability to sort of adjust his weight and the way he moves to gain speed and stuff, because the old one, he just sort of plumps, didn't he? Yeah, well, it's a very heavy suit for a small Japanese man to put on. The thing about Shin Godzilla that was great was when he's down on his belly like a gecko, and just fucking speed, terrifying. He's just flapping all over the place. Exactly. Is it Shin Godzilla where it looks like he's made up of, like, people as well at certain points? He's got, like, hands and fingers and stuff that are, like, in the texture of his skin. I mean, there's a shot at the end of Shin Godzilla where there's loads of burnt corpses in the end of his tail. Is it just that? Maybe that's what I'm remembering. It's been a while since I watched it. But, um, no, it's it's a fun old series. It's just, they they probably could have done with cutting back some of the characters a bit. There's so many characters, it's constantly zipping around between them jumping around. If it had focused almost entirely on the two main groups, like the scientist girl and the paranormal investigator guys, then you'd have like a really tight series. So there is a, then all the science talk is a bit much after a while. Just skip straight to the layman's term version of it. You know. But um, there's some interesting concepts in there. Like they've got this big old cipher they're trying to decode and they're trying to figure out what it is. And they eventually figure out the codes react to certain times that have happened over the last few days. And then they realise that they're linked to conversations that what two, two of the main characters have been having with each other through text messages. And they pull those parts of the conversation up and it forms this like entirely new conversation. Like they don't even realise they've linked it. Like it's picked out certain parts of the conversation and they're waiting for the one last part to give them the code. And all they've got for clue for it is the coordinates and stuff. And it's going to happen in the future because someone predicted it 50 years in the past because they're using this quantum computer to reach into the future and make absurd calculations. There's all very weird sciencey stuff that probably they could have simplified and just said the monsters from another dimension. Yeah. Because that's what that's essentially what it is. Hmm. But I like their take on the monsters though. There's there's no there's only like Rodans and Mandras, Godzilla the, and Guirus. The spider things, so they're the Kamakura, they're Kamungas okay. are the spiders. Okay. Um, although, you see like all this oily stuff come out of them when they get split in half. And mm. one point it forms the shape of Hedera. Oh, right. Which is, um, that's, I think that's just like a little animation thing. Oh. And you see a couple of weird moths flying around for a bit and another bit. And It'd be nice if they formed um, Biotel or whatever his name was. What? what was the toxic one? That's Hedera. No, the, what, the toxic mass? Yeah. It was Hedera. Yeah. Is that yeah. really his name? I thought it was like Biotoxin or whatever it was. No. He fights the nuclear waste bubble thing. The big... It's a big old slimy dude. Yeah, yeah it's Hedera. Oh, weird. All right. And you're not thinking of Biolante as well? Yeah, maybe. The plant one. Oh, is it a plant yeah. one? Yeah. Which is um, the ghost of a woman fused with a mutant Godzilla rose <laughs> growing into a giant monster. It's normal, normal stuff. Normal Godzilla stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like this. Just I feel like that they're free of the shackles of the original Godzilla. They're not tying back to it there's loads of references like they've got this weapon called the orgophonal diagonalizer which is a weird name lord knows why but it looks like the oxygen destroyer from the original oh, film oh that's awesome um, just little little references and stuff here and there just little neat neat neat, neat little still, that first Godzilla is one of those films that changed my life when I saw I was like it's, it's one of those things where someone has a concept and they're like this is the gravity of everything we're doing right now because you know like American media they're like let's just nuke it Let's yeah. just fucking blow up, shoot as many bullets as we need to. Mm. And they're like, 
this this device might kill the monster, but you understand it kills us too. Mm. Like Godzilla's fun. What is it? It's an oxygen oxygen destroyer. Yeah. And they and then they use it in Godzilla King of the Monsters and it does fuck all. <laughs> in the original Godzilla it kills all ocean life. It basically sucks all the oxygen out of any matter within its blast radius. Yeah. Which basically would cause any no, organic material it, to it, break apart. It travels through whatever it's placed in. So it's meant to be placed in water. The idea is it was meant to kill it wasn't meant to cure oil spills. Well you don't want to like blow that. up in the air because it would travel through it. But they blow up underwater because it's safer and limits its explosion. Oh, okay. But it destroys any oxygen within its brass radius, which would mean that organic matter would just decompose instantly because yeah. there's no oxygen inside and them. He says it was originally designed to remove oil spills and stuff like that, wasn't Something it? Like that, yeah. yeah. But um, no, because the original Godzilla film is basically Japan's post-Hiroshima trauma. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even the sequel deals with a lot of that more than any other ones. I mean, America would, you know, America would be like, say, hey, if we didn't bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, when I got Godzilla. Look at fucking Godzilla 2014, they're nuke crazy. Yeah. It's literally just like, we've got nukes. Like, yeah. they keep getting attracted to nukes and the nukes blow up. Yeah, we've got more nukes. Maybe we could get more a nuke nukes. to a city. So I had the right idea, just like, let them fight. Let them fight. I fucking I people don't like Godzilla King of the Monsters. I think it's fucking brilliant. His scenes are fucking amazing. Godzilla King of the Monsters is a hell of a lot of fun. I just wish there was less Vera Farmiga and Ch- Carl Chandler. What's wrong with him? What Carl Chandler? Why do you hate Carl Chandler? I don't hate Carl Chandler. Why do you hate Carl Chandler? I don't hate everyone's dad, Carl oh. Chandler, the actor. No, I just I I the wasn't I wasn't poor big... man's what's what's his name the guy from um from from Office Space. Jason, is it Jason Bateman? Yeah, poor man's Jason Bateman, I don't know. Jason Bateman, no. When you want someone who's like just some... Ron Livingston, that's Ron it. Ron Livingston, there you yeah, go. Yeah, when you want a guy who's just well, like now, a regular now, everyman... Ron Livingston is the poor man's Carl Chandler. Is he? Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. I was He's watching Star Trek the other day, and there was an actor in it, and I was like, why do I know that guy's face? And I looked it up, and it was that bald guy from Lost. Oh, uh, <laughs> um... Whatever his name was. Yeah, I know his name. Um, yeah. I can't remember what the name But I was I like, know. I know that face. He played Locke. Lock, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. He, um, he's also in Tomb, not Tombstone, uh, Young Guns. Young Guns. He's in Young Guns. Dun, 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 dun. He's also in. Uh, he's also in the Stepfather. He plays he's the Stepfather. loads of stuff. He's one of those yeah. TV actors. But anyway, he's good. Um, Godzilla singular points a lot of fun, and it's thirteen episodes, so you can get through it in six and a half hours. Um, and the theme song is awesome, which is important for a good anime. Really, anime sucks though nowadays. I've got me. I love the designs in this because all the Godzilla monster designs are all unique. All the monster designs are very different from other stuff that's done before. All the characters are drawn with like using color palettes that aren't the usual ones. It's all like teals and pinks and purples and like stuff like that. It's not like all the bold colors. It's not using reds and blacks and yellows. Mm. Um, they even like some characters. The outlines are done in like um, pastel colors and stuff. It's like really beautifully and like just designed characters. Um, and I can't remember what the guy designed, but he designed some other. He's done some other stuff. He's famous. The guy designed it. He did something else ages ago. Not paranoia agent. Something else. I can't mm. remember. But anyway, um, stick up your bum. All right. Uh, I guess my next review. Yeah. I'm very excited about this one, Aaron. Yeah. Because it makes no fucking sense. I watched the Tomorrow War uh... with Chris. My church is homophobic, but I'm not proud. He, he probably is. Um, he probably is. Um, so yeah. So uh, Chris Platt. 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 Um, so there's a rat in the Suicide <coughs> Squad film. 
one of Rat Catcher's rats is called Crisp Rat. Ah. Um, so the basic premise of the Tomorrow War is that everyone's watching the World Cup in 2023 and then suddenly people from the future come down and they say, we need to draft people from this timeline to go to the future and to fight against these monsters that we're not going to show you, we're not going to equip you to fight or give you any tactics to fight, which is going to dump you in a dangerous situation where you're more than likely going to die because 20% of people return, the other 80% die in the future. Have you got it? Cool. <sighs> so um, it, it's really weird, right? So here's the thing. In the, in the film, they make a point to say that if you are accepted for the project and to go forward in time, you get this armband, right? And the armband itself, they show you they show you Chris Pratt getting it and they show you the visual x-ray, like they, they show you the visual information that tells you what it is. And Chris Pratt essentially holds a grip and then it scans his arm and then it puts the bracelet thing on his arm, takes up the entirety of his forearm, forearm here, and then it nails it into his arm. So it's actually like there are there are like nails that go into his arm. It's a bit harsh. And it's so and what the idea is, it has a GPS and there's other shit built into it. So if you try and dodge the draft, they'll throw you in prison. Or they'll just send you anyway. So what's the point in hiding tactical information that would be helpful to people being sent forward in time if you've already got them on this leash that's not that's gonna prevent them from running away and not doing it? You know? Oh no! And one of the other things is that time when, travel movies aren't worth thinking about. When they're scanning you to check to see if you're acceptable for this project, despite the fact that their future being only a possible future and technically being another dimension by all understanding, they go by the information they have available for death certificates for people in our timeline and find that they're only sending people that are going to die in the future. So people that don't already exist in that timeline. Mm. Don't know why. But we'll get to that. So Chris Pratt goes forward. He's got his bracelet. He gets sent there and they're like, we're not going to tell you anything about the aliens. We're not going to give you body armor. I mean, if they're not alive in the we're future. We're not going to give you body armor. We're not going to give you medical equipment. We're not going to give you any of the shit you'd get going into war. We give you a gun. We give you some ammo. Fuck off in the time. And then they fuck it up so that they're a hundred foot up in the air. Thematically, I don't know why. Just so that they can have a cool scene where Chris Pratt drops into a, into a swimming pool on top of a big building. Because it seems like every other transfer between... To be honest, if you're time-travelling through time, this is the one thing that time-travel movies don't usually pick up, is that the Earth would have moved. Yeah, time and space. So you'd have to make adjustments for the position of the Earth, the rotation. So I think, to be honest, being 100 foot up in the air is pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. It kills a lot of people. Yeah, but the distance you could be off by. Yeah. Because the planet will be light years away. So... Alright, so Chris Pratt goes back in time and the only reason that he survives for as long as he does is because there's a character that's been back and forth between the timelines. He's successfully done several tours because you can go back, you can volunteer yeah, to do it again. Um, he's done several tours because he's dying of cancer in six months. It doesn't have it yet. They don't know what's going to cause it and he could potentially probably take... travel. He could probably take some preventative measure to prevent the cancer from appearing in his body, but he doesn't. I would suggest it's the time travel that causes it. Yeah, maybe. Um, but he basically, he's going on multiple tours because he's sort of like, he's just a really good soldier. He's really good at killing these things. Mm. And he's the only reason like anyone Tom survives. Cruise. Yeah. Mm. They have a pretty big weakness and the, their bellies and their under their necks, like basically the areas that, that would be soft on an animal and not be covered in hard skin, 
are uh, their weak point. But no one gets told that before they go back. They're just they're armoured everywhere else. They're near enough invulnerable. So no one ever tried dodging a couple of attacks and then shooting when the guys. Oh, they did. But the they monster don't tell pauses for a second. They don't tell you that before you go. The monster goes choo, 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 and then it'll stop and no, have to has, recover for a second. That's so your monster, chance to shoot the weak point. The monster designs aren't bad. Yeah. Imagine big. They look just like Chris Pratt. Big hairless dogs. They make Chris. <laughs> big hairless dogs oh. with like this thick white skin and and no fur. With two long tendrils, and the tendrils essentially launch like bone, like bone shards. Nice. They like launch them out, like flick them. Yeah. And their faces, they are like. Um, like do you remember the series? Do you remember the film series Feast? Uh, and the way that the monsters. I remember have, the one where the guy throws the baby to the monsters, yeah, yeah. and they. <laughs> that's hilarious. The monsters have the teeth that's both external and internal in their mouths. So they're like they're sort of like mm. designed for ripping and shredding and stuff. That that's their basically their face. They're like just. Land sharks, essentially. They're yeah. like vicious killing machines. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so Chris Pratt set forward in time to fight these things. No information, no, no, no training, nothing that's going to help him. Only five people from their, their platoon seem to survive. And he's one of them. And, and then he's sent to a base where the colonel has the same name as him. Turns out it's his daughter in the future. Um, and she needs his help capturing a female version of the monster. Because the females don't seem to respond to a gas that they've developed that kills the males. Now, your question here might be, if the gas kills everything but the females, why not use the gas to kill all the males and then extract the female? They're not going to do that. They go for a firefight, lose yet more very, very, very dwindling supplies of people in capturing this female white spike monster to then formulate the gas and then... And then Chris Pratt tries to save his daughter as she's dying, and instead he ends up letting her die. He's, his conscription is over and he's back, and he happens to have the gas they've developed that does affect the females. Right? So you yeah. think that's the end of the movie, yeah? You think that's the end of the movie? It's all solved by people from the future. Instead of conscripting people and drafting people to go into the future and die at the hands of these vicious monsters, instead, what they're doing is they're simply sending back information... That means that nowadays they can defeat the monsters and then prevent that awful future from happening. Which should have probably been their plan in the first place. They should have used the time travel a bit like a life raft and just had the people from the future go back to the past, live in the past, and use the knowledge they've gained from the cataclysmic event that's killed off most of the population of the Earth to then develop, say, space travel maybe, because they've got future tech. It's 30 years in the future. The White Spikes weren't around for... the whole time they're only around for a few years so they've got all that technology all that information if they just send everyone back and then killed the white spikes before they became this global issue and then also had the chance to live their lives wouldn't that be a good idea no Chris Pratt and his dad J.K. Simmons along with Sam Richardson who famously at the end of this movie says I hid that's the only reason I survived the white spikes and got to travel back in time they take him on an adventure because he's important um, Sam Richardson isn't bad in this film. He's quite fun. The first time he meets one of the white spikes, he's running down the stairs and he's literally just popping shots at this creature that's scaling the walls trying to chase him down. The whole time he's going, shit, 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 fuck, 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 like that. And it's like, that's how you'd react in that situation. You'd be like, fuck, 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 Jesus Christ, fucking come on, just run. They say they send people to the future that die before that future. Yeah. That would indicate that there's a reason they do that. Yeah, but how could they be sure that, like... They, they will die in that same timeline. They'll make the same decisions. Well, no. How can they be sure that the reason their records show that person died at some point 
between then isn't because they plucked them from the past and sent them to the future. Oh no, because it's all they have reasons. So they have actual death certificates of these people. So they have like a system they can scan. That's why I keep thinking it would be so much more interesting if this was a film about them being deceived into doing something to help a group of people that were actually, you know, just using the skills of the past in an attempt to save themselves rather than it being as altruistic as they say it is. Altruistic. Yeah. Um, It's just a bad film that's badly written. But, and I will say this, um, Chris Pratt's kind of bad in a dramatic role. He's meant to play like a serious person in some of this. And he loses a lot of his charm doing that. He's still handsome Chris Pratt, but he just doesn't really have that same charm he normally has in films. Um, And also, like a lot of the more interesting characters, the people that have more acting skill, people like J.K. Simmons, play their role a lot more believable, but they just don't get the screen time to do much with it, except for the end 15, 20 minutes when they're fighting the White Spikes. Um, There's Betty Gilpin plays his wife. You know, the woman from... um, from what was that wrestling show that was really good? No. The wrestling show about the female uh, glow. glow, glow, glow. Uh, she was really good in that. She's obviously really good in the hunts by that film being pretty crap. Um, in this, she just gets nothing to do, and it's such a shame because she's such a good actress. Um, and yeah, and like just little bits and pieces. Like it's, it's basically it's ruined by being a first draft of a script that could have been interesting if they had just tightened things up and worked things out. Like. Everything's played super melodramatic when things happen, and that's not good because in context of what's happening, you know, they should accept these things rather. Like Chris Pratt when his daughter's... The scene, the final scene with his daughter in the future, she's falling into, like, all these creatures that are clawing and scraping to get her and drag her down into the sea and kill her and rip her to pieces. And he has the, he has the thing that kills the females, the one thing that can save the world... And he holds it and then jumps after her right before he's about to teleport. Like, what's that going to do? Like, what is he planning after that action? She's she's unlikely to survive anyway because she's been shot by one of the bone things. And she is dying, but he still feels the need to jump after her. Oh my God, save her. Oh, also, these, uh, these creatures, they're incredibly strong. They're incredibly fast. They're incredibly, like, you know, deadly. Uh, how do you think they defeat the final big bad, like, there's a queen one they have to fight? Ask her to leave from. nicely. No, hand-to-hand combat with oh, J.K. Simmons and Chris Pratt. Nice. In which, at one point, both of them try and do a Black Widow and sacrifice themselves. Is this the film J.K. Simmons got ripped for? No, maybe. He's really good in it. He's really yeah. interesting. He plays like an old military Just... sniper, and there is one scene where he's he does something really smart. They're like... So, they're in, like, at the end, it's all set in Russia, in, like, this freezing cold like snow covered area oh, and it's only Russia the aliens won't come over here <laughs> he's a freezing cold snow covered area and he basically puts his jacket over a snowman he makes and so the white spike the queen white spike rushes towards it and just fucking rips this jacket to shreds like it's going to tear his fucking head off and he's there with a sniper rifle and he just starts pinging shots off at her from a distance and it was the first time I was like if he if he's as good as he says he is it can't be that hard to hit her in the belly as she's running towards him mm. you know or take out a leg or take out one of the little fucking flingy things. Um, there is like there's interesting hints that they're more intelligent than they get to, but they just don't have any drive as a villain. Like it seems like they just want to rip and destroy stuff. But then, how are they? How are they thriving? How are they propagating? How are they developing more white spikes? Do they just breed and eat? I mean, that's not really the cycle for any creature that exists evolutionarily. 
now or ever. Like, nothing just eats and exists. Even, like, you know, we have to adapt our society and our whole, you know, our whole environment. I don't think they do other stuff, though, because they wouldn't have spaceships to get to Earth with. Oh, no, it looks like they've been sent here because the spaceships have different uh, aliens in there. Uh, so there's a spaceship. They When they do finally, spoilers of the ending of this film, they find out aliens sent them. And they didn't arrive in 2050, whenever it was. They'd actually been here the whole time. No one had checked this, even though they have time travellers. And they say, we didn't see any rockets, we didn't see explosions, anything landing. And Chris Pratt, being the genius Superman that he is in this movie, goes to his wife, well, they just, they don't know how they arrived. She goes, well, if they don't know how they arrived, were they already here? And he's like, I've got an idea. And he oh. goes and he sees the guy who's done several tours because he's got like a souvenir, like one of their bone spurs. And they're under the Statue of Liberty. They're underneath a mountain in Russia. Ah, and because of global warming, by that point in history, 2050, that's going to melt and release the white spikes. So they go there oh. when they're still frozen somehow. Uh, they have access to this like permafrost hundreds of meters under the ground. And they decide, instead of getting the world's military to help us, they say that there's going to be too much bureaucracy if they do it that way even though we know these things will end the world if we don't act, he decides he's going to blow up the ship and use the gas to kill the queen. He almost fucks up and the queen almost gets away. So, good job. And there's potentially more in there because you see, you see one Oh, section. we saved him for the sequels. That's what I'm saying. There's a sequel already in development. Oh, great. To this. Tomorrow War 2. And, yeah. The uh, other Tomorrow War. <laughs> Another teen movie, Tomorrow War 2. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna say this time the war's in the past. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I'm really... from the past. The Earth got taken over by aliens. We need to bring you from the future to the past to help fight our war. But there are no aliens here. It's like, yeah, but there will be somehow, maybe. No, there's no aliens around now, and the world's nice and peaceful. Yeah, yeah. because you guys came and helped us stop the war. <laughs> um, they it's have causality. Luke. Their idea for um, their idea for time travel it has some limitations because there are two anchor points. You only travel between those two anchor points. It happens randomly, so their machine isn't consistent. Um, as in, like, they stay in the same bunker that they will get taken up in. So they just basically slip there and they get the alarm, they go up. Um, and um, and time is moving relative in each. So if it's six o'clock one place and you and the first time travel happens... The clock's always ticking. Yeah. It's the real Bill and Ted situation. Yeah. Which they forget about by the second film. Um, or gonna- by the end of the first film, to be honest. I'm going to go off the books here and I'm going to give this a score. Oh, no. That's just a number. Oh. It's a 3 out of 10. Oh. That doesn't mean that it's terrible. What films has 3 out of 10 been in? <laughs> he could be a Chinese actor. Don't be racist. Well, 3 out of 10. You said these drugs would make you racist. <laughs> 10 is a last name in Japan. T-E-N-N. And T-I-E-N. All right, calm down. Um... All in all, though, yeah, it's a three out of ten. It's not, it's not great. I mean, it's watchable popcorn crap. But I've seen a lot of people say like it's the best movie ever, and it's won loads of like. It's apparently been one of the most streamed movies on Amazon Prime and shit like that. It's like if people are saying this is the best movie they've ever seen, it, I mean, it's not even the best movie on Amazon Prime. Like Big Sick was released on Amazon Prime what twenty sixteen, and that's fucking phenomenal. So yeah, so uh, yeah, three out of ten. Your review. What am I supposed to review? I don't know. Marvel's Black Widow. I saw it in the cinema. Have I taken your last review from you? What? Black no. Widow. No, I've got another review. Oh, fuck you. 
Anyway, Black Widow. Um, they's, they made a, mar- made a movie about Scarlett Johansson so they could fulfil her contractual obligations. I heard um, it because of the Me Too movement. I honestly heard that. They were like... so the- This film was announced before that kicked off. No, no, but... So the film was <laughs> rumoured before it kicked off, but apparently they fast-tracked it because the Me Too movement started kicking in. And I don't know if you saw it, but like there were specific videos that were pointed to. And John Favreau has a video where, you know, she's an Iron Man 2, hmm. and they're talking about her outfit. He goes, he goes like, I want a more plunging... And she's just like, okay. Because <laughs> like yeah, she's wearing just a dress with a neck. Yeah. But he's like, I want it more plunging. And it's like, because she's Scarlett Johansson and she has. It's just it's just one of those weird moments. John, you know, John Favreau wanted to see her meaty baps. Yeah. Interesting yeah. in this that it's like, there's not like a ton of flattering. It's not like she's sexualized much in her own film. It's because she's not being shot by John Favreau. Well, it's because she doesn't have to trick Iron mm. Man into joining the Avengers or the Hulk into yeah. joining the Avengers yeah. or go on the run with Steve Rogers in the Avengers. So anyway, they made this film to fulfil a contract um, because they, they killed her off and they needed something to do. But there is... there is. I thought this was going to be set between Winter Soldier and Civil War because if you pay attention to Winter Soldier, she makes allusions to going off and doing other stuff. But instead they went with the she's a fugitive on the run route for the story. Um, and I get it, I get it. You know, a Black Widow origin story would be pretty pointless. You don't, there's not really much to say. She defects. Yeah. I mean, I know you could do a whole film where she defects, but we know she defects. So let's tell a story that's something different. Um, you know, and this is like basically, I guess, their backdoor way of establishing the new Black Widow with Yelena, who's not really a good guy in the comics. Not often. She's kind of more sort of Black Widow. She never defected really. For a lot of it, but I don't know. Maybe I didn't keep up. Um, I like the Red Guardian being there. That's nice. Nicely, Red Guardian. But anyway, so she goes on a mission. She's going to stop this guy that, you know, she, apparently she killed years ago to get her place in Shield. And in the process, the bad thing she did happened. And uh, yeah, there's secret agent girls who are mind controlled. And Yelena was one of them. And she had a red mist sprayed in her face, which broke the mind control thing. And now she's going to take down the guy who's got the mind control, Black Widows. And, you know, it's basically her, I guess, cleaning up, isn't it? Black mm-hmm. Widow 1 and 2, cleaning up uh, the old organisation they broke free from years and years ago. It's it's one of the only Marvel films that gives a little bit of an insight into how someone's life is outside of the Avengers. Because they, they do spend a lot of time, like, sort of showing her, not jet-setting, but, like, the, the style of life she's led. Like, she's staying in that little caravan... With yeah. the generator and stuff, like off the grid, purposely off the grid, and like there are that guy that she has as a connection, who sort of like obviously gets her shit to to do yeah. her missions and stuff. You don't really get a backstory to him because he's not the focus. I'm sure he'll get a Marvel TV series soon. I just like and the idea. Of love him, the character. I just like the idea of him being like this. Just that's it. It's done. He's like a contact. Yeah. He's like um, he'll turn up in other films whenever someone needs he's like a new a idea. From Buffy, yeah, like that's kind of what he is. But he's he's a he like he has a really nice. What I like is the Scarlett Johansson, really good actress. Um, I think that we already know that um, from some of the roles that she's done. She did a really good job playing an Asian woman once. Like that's I. I, I still stand by like I do a lot for a paycheck. <laughs> If someone said to me, can you be in the new Ghost of the Show? I'm like, am I playing an Asian character from the anime? And they're like, if we say no and pay you a lot of money, would that be fun? I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, 
But no, when it came to when it came to this, I like that she has a lot of instant rapport with these characters. You do get a feeling that there is a familiarity. No, where's the prequel so we know why she's got an instant rapport? We need to know how they met and what type of drink Everything. they had when they met. It's so nice to watch a Marvel film where I don't need to watch 60 more to understand the context. Mm. There's one moment. No, everyone just wants a Wikipedia entry now. They don't want a film. There's only one moment that caters to that, and that's the arrow marks and the Budapest. Yeah. That was it. And that's like a nice little sight gag for people that have seen those films. It, it's not integral to the plot. It's not integral to any of the information. We see the incident that caused her to be stuck in Budapest. We hear what happened. But there's no need to mention Hawkeye. No it's need to mention him flash. in general. This is a little flash of his arrows being there and that's it. Yeah. yeah. He's a very, very twat. I didn't... He I does thought, terrible music. I thought he wasn't a twat and it was his wife was mad. No, no, he Jeremy Renner's a bit of a weirdo. Oh, really? It? Yeah. But um, the main thing is with Jeremy Renner is his terrible fucking music. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. They've, they've basically done a Bond movie. Um, I'm pretty sure they even used one of the locations from Casino Royale when they are in Budapest. Pretty sure they shot in the same place as the, um, you know, the bit, the bit at the end of Casino Royale when they've got the lift and the stairs and the, the building collapses and what's-her-face from Dreamers drowns. Her, Eve Green, when she drowns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was same location. In Venice? Yeah, but this this where they're doubling shots oh, for yeah, and stuff, yeah. isn't it? But, um, yeah, they don't actually go to the same countries all the time. They don't actually go to Budapest. They shoot somewhere else. It's the magic of cinema, probably. I don't know. I don't know what they did. But anyway, so, yeah, you know, it's a fun fun Bond movie. There's, like, all the usual stages to it, all the mystery and intrigue, the the villain who's secretly work, pulling the strings behind the shadows... Um, seen some people complain about what they do with Taskmaster in this, but get over it. Taskmaster's not exactly the best villain ever. Mm. Ta- basically, Taskmaster's fulfilling the ch- the the task of being a goon. Plus, it's the it's the bone the, the super goon for the villain. Like, there's even a scene in the film where Charlotte Hansen's watching Moonraker, and you see Roger Moore and friggin' Jaws. That's that's her and Taskmaster. Taskmaster is Jaws in this. And I'm not bothered about that because Taskmaster's not an interesting character. You know, Taskmaster's whole thing is I can copy other people's abilities when I see them. So basically, your whole thing is the one person fights someone who fights the same as them. Like Captain America fights someone who knows all of Captain America's moves and more. But so many Marvel comics are about superheroes fighting each other. We don't need to know if Captain America can beat Black Panther in a fight because it's probably been settled at some point. So you don't need to have a, a proxy character playing, you know, I'm like Captain America and Black Panther and Wolverine and all these other yeah, characters. you it's, don't really need that. I mean, especially where the universe is going. It sounds a hell of a lot. Taskmaster is an insert character. It's a writer's insert character. Yeah. He's like, I want to be the coolest hero ever. I can do all of Wolverine's moves. I can do all of Captain America's moves. I can throw the shield like Captain America. Well, one of the things That's that I, Taskmaster is. One of the things that I like about this is that, you know, um, the Taskmaster program... You it, you know, instantly it could be a jumping off point. You could have a Tony Masters. If people are this pissed off and this butthurt... His name's Tony Masters. You could have a Tony Masters character into the into the thing. He could be a mutant because it's been hinted at that his is a mutant ability. Mm. And you could have him just... He just buys that shit off the Tinkerer. Because the Tinkerer mm. gets hold of all this crap in the end anyway. And once they introduce him, you'll have people buying like old Stark armor. they do the Tinkerer? Like the Tinkerer was in Spider-Man. 
He's the gold glasses, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah, so you could um, have him. What's selling- her face's brother from Orange Is the New Black? Yeah, you could have them <laughs> selling that shit off, and like, I would like to see a Tony Masters, but I'd like to see him with this janky fucking Taskmaster armor that he's basically just repurposed because he's got that visual cue thing. And instead of making him, because in the in the comics he's used to train people, that's the whole point of Tony Masters. He trains villains, <laughs> but I'd like to see him if he's going to be a villain in the MCU. Don't make him an out-and-out villain. You make him like a side character. You make him like a... You make him like... I'm trying to think. Like You make him a bit like Sam Rockwell's character in Iron Man 2. He's not the main villain. He's adjacent to the main villain. Like you said, Jaws. Like a Jaws-style character. Have Sam Rockwell be- wasn't Jaws. No but, no, but you know what I mean. They flipped it a little bit there. So the heavy was the main villain, but the intellectual mm. one was the minor villain. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of Tony Masters being in this and just being an incompetent twat when he's trying to be a villain on his own, but being really good at training people. Because I like... I want the Thunderbolts, and he's a big part of the Thunderbolts, and I like that. That he uh, sort of trains. Yeah, him they like. might do the fun, but he gives a shit. But yeah, Tony Masters, you could so easily have him get hold of the shit and just be like, "Oh, I can watch everyone's fights, and I've got that power." And instead of him constantly wearing the fucking the big old bulky thing, he just uses it to train, and then just goes out as Taskmaster. Taskmaster's boring, though. I like Taskmaster as a character. I like because he's he, in the comics. He, he is kind of a joke. Like he's kind of treated like you know the story of Taskmaster's origins, like the one that's been told so many times, where he's watching diving on TV. And he goes to the school. He goes to school, and they're doing a diving competition. He's like, "I can ace this." And he's watched this person dive like once, and he's like, "Got the." And he dives perfectly. He didn't watch anyone fucking swim, so he can't swim. <laughs> it's great. It's a great little origin, and it's like you're introducing a weakness to a power that, that has infinite possibilities if you've got the right character. But his foil has always been he's not super powered. He's tried to be super powered. He's injected himself with a super. But it's not serum. in this film. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But again, Taskmaster, Taskmaster in this film is the, the term. The about Taskmaster, I get it from the nerd side of things, but I also don't know why they're saying this is the full stop end of that type of thing. Like in the, the nerd, MCU, they nerds are weird. They just so they pick out stuff, they crop out scenes. Oh, this is so bad and terrible. They get so upset. They fucking shut up, you losers. Look at the possibilities. Of Where's your movie? I've seen your movies on YouTube. They're fucking terrible. Yeah, they're the sort of people who think Doug Walker could make films. It's that sort of person, isn't it? Yeah. I saw someone saying that Doug Walker is a better director than um, Tommy Wiseau, and I will defend to the death that Tommy, Tommy Wiseau, as bad as he is at making films, has is a better vision. director at Doug Walker. Has his own vision. Yeah. yeah. He, he paid his staff. Yeah. And they had water. Yeah. <laughs> He's a better filmmaker. Anyway, Black Widow. Um, so, yeah, I like the Bond stuff going on. It's very Bond until the last half hour. It does devolve into Marvel, usual it felt a bit CGI like, stuff. And this has got to be the third time something's fallen out of the sky as a threat. It felt a bit like Bioshock <laughs> Infinity, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> when you get to the end, it's just like, oh, it's another thing that's falling out of the sky I that was, the characters are on. Oh. There's one moment um, where she can't attack a certain person. And I was like, come on. I, I, right away, I was like, well, you just got to stop yeah. breathing him. So then she starts getting punched in the nose. And I was like... Okay, I get it. Some people are complaining that she's talking with him too long. And I'm like, this building tension. Tension. She wasn't who her mum was. I get it. She's waiting. She's taking her time. She's getting the right information she needs. Um, Florence Pugh is great. Yeah, she's fun. She's really good. I like her jacket. It's got so many pockets in it. I like that stupid conversation. Yeah, more of that stuff should have been in the film. I like the idea that, you know, she's revealing that she's never had... She's never been able to buy anything for herself. Because she was a kid, wasn't she? Yeah. And she's never been able to buy anything for herself. And the first thing she bought, she goes, it's got so many pockets. And I've made adjustments. I've made adaptions. It's, you don't know how much stuff I could have in here. Yeah. And I was like, that's great. That's just like a weird, cute little line from someone who's clearly, she's never grown up, but at the same time, mm. 
she has been taught to be a deadly martial artist. It's because I've seen people talking about this film already, and they're already taking the wrong stuff away from these sort of things. I really like the film's about like like breaking free of abusive um, ruling yeah. figures, like father figures or abusive partners who control well, it's all, and all this stuff. Yes. But um, oh, if I've seen everyone goes, oh, who was it Red Guardian fought in the 80s? I want a movie where we see who he fought in the 80s because he says it's Captain America. But it couldn't have been Captain America because Captain America was in the... Do they not know how and many I'm, Captain Americas there are fucking And I'm just in. like, fucking, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care. Let him think it's Captain America if he wants. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. That doesn't matter. We don't need to see it. It's not important. It could have been Russian. What matters is... That, yeah, what matters is... He could have been under drugs and he thought he was fighting yeah. it and that was part of his building his confidence up. What matters is that Red Guardian brags and he thinks he's the hot shit and he can barely fit into his costume. That's what matters, is that he's a hot mess. He's trying his... He, who has his heart in the right place, sort of, just about, you know? And he he wants to be a hero and he believes all the propaganda stuff that he was brought up with to be a Soviet hero. But, you know, he's not really a Soviet hero. He was really just there to do dirty work for him, you know? But it's a it's a fun film. I like Black Widow. It's you know it's not the worst of the Marvel movies. It's a solid one that feels something a bit different to the others. You know, I like to see it with they maybe didn't have the big flying base in the sky. Yeah, like I mean, I know it's a Bond style villain location thing. Like that's what they're going for. They're going for the unique, ridiculous Bond villain base. That's that somehow can be both this perfect posh um, upmarket. Fucking mansion type stuff inside, and also industrial stuff. And I think the point science the labs. Only, the only area that looks nice is his area. The yeah. rest of it looks functional and like yeah, they sleep standing upright and shit like that. There's there a whole thing like Bond films, all that, like Scaramanga's Island, where he's yeah. got all sorts of high tech stuff, but he lives in the nice mansion. Bit. And then everybody else lives in like like favelas. Yeah, well, he's got well, his thing's got the whole um, evil military bases and stuff mm-hmm. going on. But yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's going for a Bond thing. It's, the film's very much riffing on James Bond. I think that there are a couple of like... They really like the idea of the Red Guardian. So there were a couple of scenes with the Red Guardian that weren't talking that I didn't mm. enjoy much. Mm. The prison escape. Like, I get why the Red Guardian was in prison. He didn't want to escape because he was put there by someone that was his father and said to him, we don't have any use for you. So he was just in there. Yeah, he didn't want to be in secrets. Didn't want to away. be in secret. He wanted the uniform. He wanted to be part of this thing and he was never going to get it. So he was just dejected and broken mm. in that place. Um, I like him and uh, Rachel Wise flirting. That was really good. That was really fun. Um, Rachel Wise, I didn't like the character losing all humanity in what she was doing. Like, you get the idea that there's some sympathy there for living beings because she has the pig. She's looking after animals mm. and stuff. But then that moment where she told him to stop breathing, I was like, are we meant to sympathise with this character? Are we meant to... Because already I don't like Maybe her. You're supposed to get a hit and you're supposed to put enough seed of doubt in her that you think she has betrayed him. When they do the has. whole double cross... When, when, when they do the whole plan. Yeah. That it makes you think that she did betray him. I thought that she did and then she changed her mind and that's where they formulated the plan. No, no. She, she's... Well, she's, she's called the... God there. She's the tactician, isn't she, of the group? That was yeah. the whole point. But she knows full well that the only way they're going to find the Red Room is to get taken to the Red Room. Yeah. So she probably calls them to dis- and then in the process between when they're going to show up to capture them, yeah. decides whether or not what, what play she's going to make. Um, I kept thinking as well, those vials, you know the the, the vials, I thought they mm. fit into her wrist blasters, the Black Widow wrist blasters. Yeah, you remember in, the, in Avengers she had the blue ones that, yeah. z- that zap people and shot like electric bullets. 
I thought that fight scene where they throw the grenade and it just showers on everyone. I think that would have been a little bit more interesting if she was like trying to shoot them. Yeah. And like trying to ping them off at people and fighting back. She just sort of gave up and started getting beaten up. I was a bit. Yeah, but they wanted the whole explosion and the, yeah. the little speckles floating through the sky, like the yeah. glow bugs that they see at the start. Um, I like that the villain that's clearly a victim as well isn't just killed in this. That's nice. Yeah. Taskmaster doesn't just get offed. There's like some sort of redemption there, potentially. Yeah. Um, Ray Winston didn't really have an impact on screen whilst he was on screen. He's doing his like rapist thing. So he's yeah. doing. It's this his whole thing. Ray Winston being a threatening old man. Yeah, it's weird though because I forgot he was in this. I didn't know he was going to be in this. Yeah, so did I. And, and I was then just he like the other day. I was thinking, what's Ray Winston? Has been anything for a while? I was thinking about Beowulf. I think maybe <laughs> if it was if you could have got someone bigger, like um, he's a pretty fat guy. No, I was thinking. If you get someone who's like intimidating that sort of like seems inhuman themselves but they are a human villain, someone you could have like a physical confrontation with because then you wouldn't have to have the pheromone moment. You could have like a proper physical. And I kept thinking, who's the guy who's really massive, the Australian dude who was in Mad Max? What, friggin' Nathan Jones? No, the uh, the muscly one who plays... Hugh Keys Burns. The one with the mask? Yeah. Yeah, the one who's dead. No, he's not dead. Yeah, he died like two years ago. The bodybuilder. The bodybuilder's Nathan Jones. Is it Nathan Jones? I'm yeah. going to quickly Google. But he would make... The a... main villain or his son? His son. Nathan Jones. Yeah. He'd the Colossus a... of Boggo Roads. I think he'd be great as like a military style, especially in this He's film. He's not a good actor. No, he doesn't He's need to be. He's a terrible actor. Ray Winston flits between English and Russian throughout every scene he's Doesn't in. Doesn't matter. Ray Winston's like, intimidating. What matters is he's the intent. He's not intimidating. He's Ray shorter Winston's... than Scarlett Johansson in this. Yeah, he's an intimidating man, though. <laughs> Ray Winston's um, good at being the... He's bringing up his sexy beast style yeah. character. I like the be. I like the interaction when they saved um, Alexei, but I just didn't like... I think the prison escape thing, you know, have him still be a little bit competent. I know he's not... like He's meant to be an incompetent Captain America, but like the whole, oh, no, oh, are you going to come pick me up? It's like, just, you know, he goes to a place that's in between two large steel girders to be mm. rescued by a helicopter as a fucking... And it's just like, it doesn't... But the conversation they have, it's like, it's like I didn't realise you get so technical and so gross about this. Like, well, they just go in and they take your ovaries and your womb and they just sort of squiggle it around. It's like, it's like, oh, oh, oh. I was going to tell you about, you know, <laughs> what they do with this and that. But it's like... And they I try like, to make you feel guilty for yeah. basically dumping them back yeah. on. And then he has his shy little, did he talk about me? Captain America, did he, did he chat about me? I liked him as a character. I just think mm. that he was... More effective in that fight with Taskmaster and in the conversation scenes. Um, I liked, like, for instance, the family meeting at the beginning where he's like, I've got it, let's let's fuck off and go. And, like, he's throwing the thing and then, mm. like, you see him hand people over to Ray Winston. Like, all those scenes are so... The quiet scenes in this are so much more effective than the action scenes. Um, it's just that, you know, just... They had to have the action because it's a Marvel movie. You can't really just have a talky thing where people deal with trauma and pain. And well, they should have. They should have had the finale be Black Widow fighting another Black Widow, just one. He looks just. He's just another Black Widow, while a blue beam of light goes into the sky as something's falling. Um, and if at all possible, someone could be in a mecha suit. That'd yeah. be pretty awesome. I would have liked it if it was just a hidden Russian facility. I don't know why it needed to be on the move. Like, they've got so many disused Cold War things mm. they could have yeah. just been hopping between them. 
And like everyone is just the worst conditions for people to stay in, except for Ray Winston, who's constantly spending. Yeah, but billions. the red room moves, and no one knows where it goes. It's in the clouds. Yeah, I don't like that. It just it's a James Bond villain thing, isn't it? I know, but it just they didn't remake. Like that like, time somehow Blofeld hollowed out Mount Fuji. It makes sense. It makes sense. No one for, noticed. It makes sense for someone like Ultron to have like the repulsor tech that he steals off Tony Stark and to make that. It doesn't really make sense for Russia to have like a floating. Well, it's not Russia. He's a. Agent who works for the US government and all oh, sorts yeah, of world yeah, governments, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. He's funded by the US governments he and all rents, that. They they brought him that and, you know, put a bow on it. It just doesn't really make any sense, does it? Mm. But, but yeah, I other than to. that, like, I really enjoyed the film. Like well, he's meant to be a Russian oligarch, isn't he? He's meant to be, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, I'll yeah. give you money, you give me this tech or something. Like those people that run FIFA. Mm. Um, but yeah, all in all, I really enjoyed it. I just, I had like minor gripes with it, but I have minor gripes with a lot of more recent Marvel movies. I'm looking forward to Shang-Chi, although I'm a little bit worried because I found out the lead actor doesn't really know martial arts, so that is starting to feel like a He's only got to throw a punch on the film. It's not real. I know, but you remember Iron Fist and how badly that turned out because Finn Jones didn't know fuck all about martial arts. doesn't matter. He just, just, just hide it in editing. Yeah. Just yeah. cut. Keep cutting. All right. Bat Widow. It's all, it's all right. It's fun. Go to the cinema and watch it. Get COVID while you're there. I might have. Who knows? <laughs> anyway what's your last review you cock um, my last review this week is going to be oh Doki Doki Literature, Literature Club on uh, Switch oh some old game some old game that was released a couple of weeks ago well a week ago now on Switch like three years ago for the first time on Switch for the first time 2018 on PC it's free to download on PC what's the frame rate on Switch oh 60fps all the way mate yeah sweet um, it's a visual novel don't normally play visual novels do I but it's a horror tinged visual novel with a creepy atmosphere that slowly sort of ebbs its way into the plot uh, you play a young man who has joined a doki doki literature uh, sorry a literature club where you are there with four girls and it seems to essentially be a dating sim um, you have uh, you, each meeting you talk to each of the girls and you show them your poem <laughs> Your poem is essentially a um, is a collection of words you get to choose, and depending on which words you choose, it depends on which girl you you sort of start um, you start gaining a rapport with. Um, and and each of the girls, their poems start to become slightly dark mm. and slightly weird. Mm. Um, I won't spoil it beyond that. Um, I'm on my second playthrough, and I'm really enjoying it. I I don't like I said, visual novels aren't really normally my Did thing. Did it make your heart go doki doki? Yeah, uh, visual novels aren't. <laughs> That's what doki doki is. It's the sound of a heartbeat. Because uh... Japanese people, Japan loves onomatopoeias. Yeah, um... is it onomatopoeia? That's the words that sound the yeah. sound of words. Like we say, woof for a dog barking. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh... I think. It's it's really interesting as a visual novel. It's the only one that I've really been able to get anywhere into. Most of them I just get bored. I don't really like the idea of reading something where I could be playing something. Um, you don't like reading in general. You've had troubles with it. No, I read a lot. It reminds you of when you were at school and they were like, read Roger Red Hat. And you were like, I can't What's read What's Roger Red Hat? Fuck's sake. There's a Biff book, Roger Has a Red Hat. Biff and Kip. Jesus. Kip. Kipper. Anyway, um the big red dog. No. Uh yeah, so um so yeah, it's on Switch for the first time. It's it's like 12 pound, 10 12 pound. I paid 8 pound because I'm in Russia right now. Um but it's free on it's free on it's PC if you have code. Steam, so you can download it on there. And the plus version has six side stories and also a few extra endings and there's some extra music tracks and things like that in there. So 
It takes about two to three hours to play through it. <laughs> but it does, like, depending on who you focus on, it does change the ending significantly. I think there's, like... They said something like 20 endings to this or something weird like that. Oh, God, you're going to have to play through it 20 times. No, I'm going to play it through a couple more times. I'm enjoying it. Um, but it's not... The only thing I will say is the text, if you have any colour blindness issues with... Um, with the text, it's it's pink on it's white on pink, and it's white borders or pink borders. Sorry, so it's not. Are the you throwing up again? No, I'm burping. But stop it. Trying to, I'll just swallow it. Um, it's it's not the clearest thing to read, especially in handheld mode, which is what I predominantly be reading it in. I don't have any eyesight issues that um, that are sort of um, fucked up by this, so I don't have too many issues. But if you are going to play it, it might be best to play it on TV or um, or docked instead of playing it handheld. Um, it might be easier to read the text. I think that they are. They have said they're going to patch it so you can change the text size and stuff like that. But it hasn't come through yet, as far as I know. Uh, but yeah, all in all, really good, really enjoyable. Um, I love that sense of dread. Really well done. Like I wasn't expecting it to be. I wasn't expecting it to be so subtle at first. But like the stories about like having emotions locked in bottles. And girls who don't like spiders and how to treat those people and things like that. Just like really interesting, really, really creepy. Um, but I give this, I'm going to give this a Helen Mirren. I'm really enjoying it. It's probably the best visual novel thing I've read. I know that there'll be people that are, that are like massive fans of this that argue that fact. And they've played for all these oh, Most visual novel fans are just perverts. Most of them. Yeah. One hand to play mode. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I really liked it. And I, I like that the, they're a lot more, a uh, lot more coy with the relationship stuff. Like it's not just, it's not just girls going, "Oh, you rubbed against my bosoms." It's like when they talk about intimate moments, it is like shoulders touching. It's very like teenager Can you poke in school. Them? No, oh. um, it's very teenager. Can and gal gun. The first, the first game, that, the first run I had, Yuri was like the person that I connected to the most. And they, there's like moments where you're reading together, reading the same book together, and like just the explanation of touching shoulders and just being really close. And like, it gets a bit weird when you feed her a chocolate because she doesn't want to get like um, oil on her hands and muck up the pages. Uh-huh. Um, because they do do the whole, she's just got to hang out of her mouth like, uh-huh. and then it disappears. <laughs> but it's not like, there's not a lot of movement to the people that, that you're like interacting with. They are like sort of stills. We've got like, a copy of on. Waifu Unleashed at work. Did you want me to? How much is that? I don't know. On Switch? You want it, yeah. You get. You can get it. I'm not buying What's the game it. where you play as a sentient pair of panties? Oh, um... Yeah, it's called, like, Panty Rage or something dumb of like that. Of course you know that. The name. <laughs> on Switch, one not it? Was, they, yeah. Switch keep recommending these games. Oh, Nintendo right. clearly just... Galgun's always six all quid in. everywhere. Galgun 1 and 2 is always six quid everywhere. And it's, you know, I'm never going to buy it, but it's always everywhere. You're going to buy it. I almost bought the SNK Girls Fighting Game thing they have. Oh, Girl Fighters, that's good. Yeah, is it really good? Yeah, it's straight up King of Fighters, but it's the Neo Geo Pocket Colour one. Um, it's worth oh, it. no, 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 this isn't the Pocket Colour, it's a new version. They've got a new version on there. Yeah. There is the Pocket Game Boy Pocket one. There is the Game Boy, no, Neo Geo, Neo Pocket, Geo Pocket, one. Pocket one, but this is a different one. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a Helen Mirren. Um, it's really good, although um, if you don't want to get weird looks, probably don't play it on a train. <laughs> Trains are pretty packed nowadays, and if you're playing a game where there's some girl going and like you know massive boobs and the you know hentai style fucking well it'll look hentai-ish, I guess. Um, Did you have to look up what a hago face was? When what's hago face? A hago face. What's hago face? A hago. A hago. Yeah, you had to look it up, did you, when you were watching it to make sure? 
because it was, you know, kept showing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the sort of thing you're into. Sick freak. What? There's a Bukaki minigame, yeah? No. No, I'm still thinking about Wife of Unleashed. I'm pretty sure Wife of Unleashed is one of those pervert games. It's got an 18 certificate. Are you still reviewing Doki Doki Literature Club? Alright. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I am. Stop talking for a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm playing on the Switch. I've been really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I recommend it to anyone who's into horror games. Um, especially if you're looking for some sort of decent horror game. I played the shit out of Resident Evil Village and I'm just done with it. I've done everything I can in that game now. Um, I might pick it up again when the DLC's out. But for now, I'm striving for a decent horror game. Oh wait, it's called Waifu Uncovered. That makes it sound even worse. That is worse. Yeah. All right. That's my last review, Anne. How are you doing? Um, in Waifu Uncovered, you take on the role of a horse-headed ninja named Kay Vio, who has been tasked with saving. It's called for, by a developer called One Hand Free Studios. Oh yes, yeah, so there you go. One Hand Play. Yeah. Sounds like eight beautiful maidens are under threat of alien attack. Cool. Their lives and their fates of the world rest in your hands. Sounds perverted, really. Someone trades it in at work. That person's probably a pervert. Anyway, what are you doing now? You're just sitting there staring at your phone. Yeah, I'm waiting for you. To f- I'm, I'm done. We'll finish the thing. Oh, then. okay. Well, that's been Crypt Apocalypse episode 170. What? Four? 164. 164. And uh, as always, we reviewed stuff and things. You can find Ant at Mellow Gaming on YouTube, the most popular Mellow Gaming channel. You can also find him at Reacting Sentai Yopper Ranger, if that's oh, still going, but it's I been wouldn't. banned so many times. Um, there's also Ant's Bot Box. Is that what? it? No. What is it? Doesn't matter. Okay, and you can find me at Critical Apocalypse. Blah, blah, blah. You can find me at Critical Apocalypse everywhere. As always, uh, England's not racist, apparently, yeah? The Tories did a report. It's not racist. But the last few days would say other fucking wise, wouldn't they? It's just a few people having a laugh, doing a satire. Doing a satire. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see my... <laughs> did you see that I've been it is satire. If you it's... say and do racist... Look, At the same time as other people are saying... If doing... I say and do anything that you don't like, it's yeah. satire. So if you target individuals that are being targeted already by racists and say a racist thing, that's satire. Yeah. Okay. But if you're against the racism, then you're a racist. Yeah. Got you. And just imagine saying out loud that you don't like these anti-racists or anti-racism. Imagine saying that out loud, that you're against anti-racism. Yeah. Go on, guys. Do your double negatives. (laughs) Where does that put you? You're done. Yeah, I'm done. Fucking keep picking up your phone. Toying with your phone. Boris Johnson fucks kids. The end of the episode. That's that's the sign-out. I don't have cancer. Boris Johnson fucks kids. You know what you have got, though? What? AIDS! And sweet compression socks. Oh, yeah, those two, yeah. Yeah! They've got holes on the bottom, man! I was doing my Rich Evans, but... Oh, and AIDS. And AIDS. All right. Bye!